Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Yes, living the dream once again here on a fabulous Sunday. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ornberger with you together in our Fox Sports Radio studios as they are today. Now, we have a lot going on as Rich is... uh, Nourishing himself with some much-needed donuts here on this Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, it was uh, we we were talking about this the other day. It was actually National Donut Day on Friday. I know, and so we did our morning show, and Rich already had nourished himself with ribs. Yes, ribs on a Friday morning. That's uh, that's the show that airs between six and nine a.m. Six thirty a.m. But when I told him that it was yeah, when I told you it was National Donut Day, you like what? I did. I How ran did I out. not know? Did you actually go out and get? Because we were talking yeah. about the fact that if you have a, 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 a cup, you know, coffee with cream, just coffee, no sugar, because you're going to get the sugar from the donut, and then do the dip. Look, dip. Th- this was the donut that. Oh, look at that! So I got glazed. You can eat so this. we're talking buttermilk, buttermilk glazed. glazed. Yeah, oh, buttermilk dude, glazed. There is nothing better than and that. And so, and did you have the coffee with the cream and oh, the, the dip and everything? How was it? Did I? I did. It was wow. a good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the reason we're we're a little, I don't know. There, there. We don't have our normal uh, studio experience today. Uh, we have some work being done on our building here, the Fox Sports Radio studios here. So we're, I, I, I can barely see Sam. He's in the dark right now. Stop um, the hammering. 
We only have one television working, so we don't have our usual five TVs that we can watch a variety of sports. So yes, no yes, cornhole yes. competition we're bro- today. We're broadcasting today. I from- see. I see a silhouette. I take it that's Ryan, our producer, yeah. arriving as he I always believe, does. Uh, yes, a wraith just walked in, <laughs> shrouded Stop in darkness. The hammering. You know, and Ralphie's he, there he here. is. I yeah. see him. I, Ralphie's oh. wearing a colorful shirt today, so he can actually be seen in the dark. Yeah. You find this man. Uh, so uh, we will. Uh, uh, hoping, keeping our fingers crossed. When I see Kyrus in the building, I know that things are getting serious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we we uh, is Fred here as well? Is everybody here? Yeah. Every, right now, right big, now, the big guns are here to make sure that we stay on the air. Somewhere in the building, <laughs> Isaac Lowenkron is chained to a giant gerbil wheel, and he is just sprinting, and he's sprinting to keep the, electri- to keep we, the electricity. How, going. how do we have light? Everywhere else is dark, and yet we actually have light in this studio. So the miracles are being performed. So. Well, fa- uh, Big thanks to Isaac. <laughs> Keep running, buddy. So all I can say is we are happy to be here. Very excited indeed on this edition of Fox Sports Sunday. Um, a couple of things. One of the things I just want to sort of get out of the way early because obviously we got a lot to talk about today with game two of the NBA Finals tonight between the Warriors and the Celtics. We got Major League Baseball news as always. Are we ever? Are we going to be able to get John Paul Morosi on the show today? Is that still possible? Yes. Okay. JP better, is going to be joining us a little bit later better on. Better question is when? When do the NBA Finals come back? <laughs> what, like what happened? It was on, and I thought it was a spirited matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Golden um, State. How about Warriors. this? Are you ready for this, Rich? Yeah. If this series goes seven. We will be previewing Game 7 two weeks from today. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Game 7 is scheduled for two weeks from today. This is why you got to love series, folks. You got to love these seven-game series. They're really there. Two weeks. It's important to play seven games to decide who's the champion. So they're they're really dragging out this thing. But we'll get into all that NBA news. Obviously, we always have NFL news. Some college uh, sports news is really all over the map. We're going to get to that as well. But I just want to mention something at the start to put a little perspective on something that was done earlier today. Rafael Nadal won his 14th French Open. Oh, Rafi. Rafi's career record at <laughs> Roland Garros. What was that thing? Roland Garros. Uh, Gesundheit. Is 112-3. and three. Okay, that's okay. his record there. Imagine somebody winning 14 Masters. That would be a lot. Or 14 Open Championships. Or try to put perspective. How about this? When Pete Sampras retired after winning his final Grand Slam, the U.S. Open, in 2002. He had set the record for 14 career Grand Slams total. Rafi has now 14 French Opens. That's a lot. That is more than a few. That is. Yeah. And he now has 22 overall. Remember, he's now two clear of Djokovic and Federer, both sitting at 20. But I think you have to pause and and think, okay, who, who exactly has ever dominated anything on an individual level the way i mean bill russell won 11 nba championships yeah rafa has won 14 french open championships and his match play record there is 112 and 3 that's 109 games i will over say this yeah. and this is going to sound like i'm underappreciating the significance of what rafa nadal has done over right. the course of his career and it's been a brilliant tennis career but there is something about individual sports. Even the athletes who we celebrate the most, the, the Tiger Woods catalog, 
you know, the uh, Djokovic catalog, the, you know, name it, any individual athlete, Venus, Serena. There's just something about team sports to me that's more difficult. And if you are an, an, an integral, like Bill Russell, that 11 NBA championships, to me, it just, that to me, it, it, it rings louder for whatever reason. But does it ring as loud? Let me ask you this. And again, yeah, we're yeah. talking about no, the greatest I mean, winner. Yeah. And, and, but yeah. I mean, Sam Jones Go ahead. was on 10 of those teams. So he won 10 championships, Hall of Fame, one of the great shooters of, course, of his era. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's that's always the question because and, and yesterday and and I want to get into this a little bit later on. We're talking about legacies and team sports, right, right, right. And I actually used to say this to Kobe, with all due respect to the great Kobe Bryant. And when he would talk about because when they when the Lakers beat the Celtics in 2010 to win what was Kobe's fifth NBA championship post game. Uh, Jim Hill, iconic sportscaster in, in L.A., who would always ask the first question post game, said he asked Kobe, "What does this championship mean to you?" And his answer was, "It means I got one more than Shaq." Yeah. So, but my point to him always was, look, when you talk about MVP or All NBA or All Defense or all these individual honors, those are you. But when you say I've won five championships, the correct answer is. I've been part of five teams that have won championships. Is it? And and by the way, I got into this with Ryan Hollins yesterday, and I asked him that, and he says you're sort of right and you're sort of wrong. Yeah, because that, look, yeah. the fact yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is that they at. don't win those championships without Kobe. Of now, course. after that game, I was doing a stand up on the court, and Kobe and I used to have this back and forth. And he sees me there, and he yells out, "What do you think now, Hartman?" And I says, "I think you and Derek Fisher have the same number of championships." Because all five that you've been a part of, D. Fish was part of those teams as well. So Ryan said, you're, you're right, but let's face it. I mean, you don't win those championships without Kobe Bryant. So in a team sports situation. Think of it as a minivan. Think of it as a minivan. Right. Um, look, you've got you've got to have somebody driving the car. Right. Right? Somebody's got to be behind the wheel. And certainly that doesn't underrate the importance of the, the co-captain, right? The passenger seat. If you're getting tired, I'm hopping into the driver's seat, okay? I'm going to tell you when to turn. I got the maps out. You know, so there, there's a lot of responsibility for that passenger, but you need a driver. And let's face it, for those those dynasty teams with the Lakers, Kobe was the driver. Shaq, Powell, they played ga- uh, passenger to Kobe. Well, and wait they, a second. Shaq will say, I didn't pay pla- – I was the NBA Finals MVP Shaq three can years say whatever he wants. I, he was the NBA Finals MVP three years in a row. Shaq can say whatever he wow. wants. Wow. Wow. I'm telling okay. you, how many championships did Shaq win without Kobe? Well, <laughs> yeah. he actually won one. He won with – Dwayne Wade, right? Who was the MVP of that NBA Finals? Also the driver. So my point is, Shaq. No, I'm not saying he's a bad passenger. Well, are you saying that Bill Russell was the uh, pass? Was he? I'm the saying he was the driver. He was the driver. He was the driver. It was a different game then. The big man dominated the game when Russell played. We right. know that. Okay. Look here, it was an inside game. It be it's become much more backed off and much more of a per- perimeter game throughout the years. And Kobe. And Jordan, before Kobe, obviously were the bridge between where we're at now with the perimeter shooter and where we were with the inside game that the NBA was when Wilt was dominating and Bill Russell was dominating. 
I digress to just prove the point. So you got these two up front, and then, you know, in every minivan, you got those two rows behind. And it can, you know, there could be a couple of people who sit in that that first row of the backseat for a while. You know, in the Jordan years, it was the Luke Longleys and the Steve Kerrs. And, you know, there was this interchanging cast of characters who you needed to be a part of that. Um, and then the back row, you know, let's face it. it they're the guys you just sort of need to counterbalance okay, everything. Okay, I've said this for years, having been in this business forever. I have worked with partners. I have worked with more people, I would dare say, than anyone in the history of sports talk radio. I would argue that's I correct. Don't, I don't think anyone has sat next to more different people over the years. And I've said that people say, well, it must be easier when you work with somebody else. And I said, no, it's easier when I'm alone because I don't have to worry about any other egos in the room. Perfect. It's all about me. I can. I don't have to worry about, will this person do this or this person do that? I've always said this. If I had any, any skill set, it's the ability, I hope, with most of the people I've worked with, to recognize what they do, who they are, and then sort of amplify yes. who they are. That's sort of the way my approach has been with partners. So I understand what you're saying and getting back to the whole initial conversation about an appreciation of Rafael Nadal. 14 French yeah, Open championships is mind-boggling. I guess the only thing that really stands out, is he's so far above in terms of an individual dominating one specific event. There really is no comparison. But like I, nobody has won 14 Masters or yeah. 14 Wimbledons or whatever event you and want. And still, I look at that as, as easier than what Tom Brady has been able to accomplish in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. And we're talking about two of the most elite athletes in their given sports to ever walk the planet. But when you have to control only one mind versus yeah. having to control the 10 other players on the field that you are trying to successfully conduct a, a game-winning drive with or control the emotions of a huddle. I mean, look, Nadal, again, will, will we ever see an athlete in a sport as dominant as him? Maybe not. But I can promise you we will never see a Tom Brady again. But there, that, That's... That it just it's unfeasible to imagine that there's going to be somebody who's going to have the level of career success that he's had, or Bill Russell for that matter in the NBA. Well, I mean, again, we talk about Tom Brady. This is he's played 22 years, but two of those consisted of one game. His rookie season was one game, and then the season where he got hurt in the first game. So in 20 full seasons, he's been to the Super Bowl 10 times. That's, That's 50%. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and, and one, and, and, and one, one seven. Yeah. And one seven. So <laughs> I mean, 35, what are you doing? yeah, 35% he's winning Super Bowls. All right. I, I want to get to legacy on the other side. Game two tonight between the Warriors and the Celtics. And a lot of talk about where is Steph Curry's place in the history of the NBA? Based on what we just talked about, maybe we have a clearer picture coming up next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. One of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah! Shocking Blue! Coming at you live on a Sunday morning. I'm rich and I'm Venus by Shocking Blue! Current temperature inlet, 68. It's a go. good song. You, you mentioned great. Venus Williams earlier, and I was like, you know what? Why not? Bananarama did the remake. Of <laughs> oh, song. I need it. That one's, that's <laughs> Thank you very much. Bananarama. She's got it. Mm-mm-mm. All right. So uh, before <laughs> I sing the entire song, which no one here wants to hear. Uh, all right. So we got, uh, by the way, this is uh, Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Orenberger with you. Uh, we get ready for game two of the NBA Finals. Game one uh, was really stunning. I. It was not the. It was one of those games, and and I go back because we talked a little bit on Friday, Rich. But you know, I I went into this series really with a dilemma because I have hated the Celtics my entire life. Being a <laughs> Lakers fan my entire life, my first, and this goes back to 1969. Yeah. I was in fifth grade. Will Chamberlain had joined the Lakers with Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. I remember when the season started, everyone thought, I mean, this team is never going to lose a game. How, how how do you lose a game with three superstars on the court? Well, the season ends up going to a Game 7 at the Forum instead of being in Boston. The Lakers finally got Boston in a home game in a Game 7, and they lost the game 108-106. Wow. It was Bill Russell's final game. And I just remember watching the hatred I suddenly got inbred into me I mean, as soon as the they, Celtics. they brought in Larry Bird, I remember you had bought one of those 80s uh, Stretch Armstrongs. By the, by the time we got to and the 80s. And you threw a, a Boston jersey uh, on it, you painted the porn stash on, and then you just punch <laughs> it. You were just sitting I mean, in your living room, you well, punch it. Well, and then it really got bad in 1984 <laughs> when finally rematched 15 years later. Finally, we got Lakers-Celtics again. Lakers were up 2-1 in the series. They blew up. Out the Celtics in Game Three, and they lose in Game Seven. At that point, the Lakers were zero and eight against the Celtics in NBA Finals. And then the following year, '85, not only did the Lakers beat the Celtics, they did in the Boston Garden. Kareem's always talked about it was his greatest moment in his NBA career as a Lakers fan. It was my greatest moment. So I've been there through a lot of this, right? So I start this series saying, "Okay, I know I can't root for the Celtics." And then I got the Golden State Warriors who are another team that I really have a hard time rooting for. 
And it's not as much about Steph, and obviously I have a close relationship with the Thompson family and everything else, but I just I can't stand Steve well, Kerr. I don't me, know what me, it is about Steve Kerr. I want to see this guy lose. Let me jump in here because this happens with a lot of good teams. I think there were a lot of people who were really dismayed by the fact that Phil Jackson was winning all those uh, mm-hmm. championships with the Chicago Bulls. I grew up in a house with somebody who could not stand Phil Jackson. So Pat Riley was coaching the Knicks. I grew up in New York. My dad was a Knicks fan. The Bulls were great. Michael Jordan was sensational. He was everything to me. I had Chicago. I'm growing up on Long Island. I have Chicago Bulls uh, pillowcase and bedspread and the sheets and the comforter and a and a, a huge picture of Jordan above my bed. Like Jordan was everything to me. My dad couldn't stand it. My dad would literally, you could see when he sat down to read me bedtime stories, I'm six years old, he would even like sit closer to the edge of the bed just so he didn't have to be near the Chicago Bulls symbol. He hated the Bulls. Yeah. And he couldn't stand Phil Jackson. He just felt he was so arrogant. That is, there that was just is like my such feeling. an arrogance, like it made him skin crawl. Ah. He would talk after the game with a look at that stupid ah. mustache and that stupid face. But, but that, look, that is. Why sports are so great? Because this is all irrational. Right. There's no reason why a grown well, man should hate the Boston Celtics so because watching, it's childhood fancies of I, the, the Lakers. But you, but it's ingrained in all of us. It really is. So I'm watching the game. It was close at halftime. You know, Steph had an insane first quarter, scoreless in the second quarter. And then the Warriors seemingly take control of the game in the third quarter. They're up 12 going into the fourth at home. And, you know, I'm watching just like, all right, well, this this is probably the way this is going to play out. You know, home court's going to mean something. And then Boston goes on a 40-16 to 16 blitz in the fourth quarter. Yeah. First team ever in NBA Finals history to be down double digits going into the fourth quarter of an NBA Finals game and win by double digits. Yeah. Never happened Never before. happened before. So at the end of the game, well, as Boston is raining in threes and Golden State was discombobulated. <laughs> I mean, Al Horford hit six. He hit six. Derek White hits <laughs> yeah. five. I Derek mean, it was White. Like, He's I like, mean, this, who are these people? The seventh or eighth guy you'd remember on the Boston I mean, Celtics I just, uh, Derek, Who even knows who Derek White is? Okay. So anyway, I'm watching this thing unfold and cursed calling timeouts, trying to get his team back on track. Nothing's working. No, I know. And as this avalanche was coming in in favor of the Celtics, I actually find myself, oh, yeah. I'm loving this. I mean, for the first time in my life, I can actually say I'm rooting for the Celtics. Like, I'm enjoying the sinking feeling. The crowd is deflated. Like, what is happening here? Kerr's trying to call timeouts, settle the team. Nothing is working. And then the announcers are so biased to Golden State. This was the clincher. There's like 50 seconds left. And the Celtics hit a shot to go up 14 with 50 seconds to go. That could be the dagger. (laughs) (laughs) That could be the dagger. This game's been over for two minutes. That could be the dagger. They're up 14 with 50 seconds to go. So I I don't, as we head into game two tonight, I I think my thought going into the series is I want a good series. Yeah. I would not mind if we're sitting here two weeks from today talking about a game seven but I it was a weird feeling for me because I've never felt it before where I was rooting for the Celtics to win a game 
and it was that first game of the well, NBA Finals. Look, I, I mean, you're not, you don't have to go very far to find somebody who agrees with you about the Celtics. You know, just traditionally, from the standpoint of one of the most winningest franchises in NBA history, if they win a championship, they become the franchise in the NBA with the most championships. It will be number 18 for them tying uh, their tie right now with the Lakers. At yeah. 17 championships. And, uh, another reason for me not to be rooting for the Celtics. 100%, yeah, because they take the, the title Golden on their own. State. And, and and what's amazing about the efficiency of Boston is they've won so many of the finals they've appeared in. They've only lost four ever. Three to the Lakers, and they lost one very early on the second one. Bill Russell lost to the St. Louis Hawks. So they're 17 and four. 17 and four. If yeah. they if they win this 18 and four. So yeah. look, there's plenty of reasons to hate Boston, but recently. There has been this dynasty that stole Kevin Durant from OKC. A lot of people feel the same way my dad did about Phil Jackson, about the way you feel about Steve Kerr now. People could not stand the little shimmy that Steph Curry hit after, you know, banking in lucky threes sometimes. Now, look, he's skillful, and a lot of them drop because he's just automatic from beyond the arc. But there is something sickening when a guy gets lucky and he's still dancing on you. He's still putting up the three goggles. Still, still looking at the opposing bench, like you know, the six foot four frame could do anything against any of the real heat that would come in the game. Like you know, there's just something skin crawling about that. Draymond Green is the mouthpiece, so there is there is this mm. hatred toward the Warriors that I think we forgot about because it went away when the Warriors scraped bottom recently in the NBA and they had two awful back-to-back seasons, but this resurgence has reminded a lot of people of those feelings. And so, yeah, like you said, there's this weird dynamic here. I turned on the game, and like you, I felt myself completely uncaring for either of the two franchises just hoping for a good game, and we got it. We got compelling action all the way up until the closing minutes of the fourth quarter when Boston just could not be denied any longer. Well, that's what I like the most. (laughs) You know, well, that could be the dagger right there, and I'm like, oh, no, no, let's play this to the end. I want to see them slink off the court. Anyway, uh, game two tonight. We're going to get much more again into the legacy situation when it involves a guy by the name of Steph Curry. But first... Let's find out what is trending right now. Wearing a colorful shirt that Rich in particular is envious of is the one and only Ralph Irvin. Ralphie. Aloha, gentlemen. Wow, look at you. (laughs) Aloha. Do you have other shirts like that? Now, I've seen that shirt before, but do you have similar shirts in your closet? Uh, some, but I mean, this is a different. This is from a different place than all of my others, right. for sure. So. Yeah, so. I, I just responded to the tweet because Ralphie put out the picture of him. Look at this, Stevo. Yeah, of him wearing the uh, of him wearing the Hawaiian. Uh, I, I guess you would call it's it. It's not Hawaiian. It's not Hawaiian. Like it's, it's, it's more Cubism inspired. Well, it's a Cubism exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's very Picasso. But it's it's uh, the life linen fabric, and and I said you look like a hitman on vacation, Ralph. That's what you look like. He to me. really does. <laughs> Certainly that picture. You look like you laid down the Glock and you took the family to Tahiti. Yeah. <laughs> Some days you look like that's that. a very Sopranos type look. Yeah, right, yeah, isn't yeah. It? yeah, very much. <laughs> well, if that was the case, where's then I... Daddy? He went to take out the trash for three hours. <laughs> well, there's a lot of trash to be taken out. <laughs> Uh, busy day today, Ralph. Uh, just a bit. Uh, just getting started. Although they're they're well underway in New York, where the Yankees and Tigers now tied at two, headed to the top of the seventh inning. Uh, Joey Gallo, a two-run homer in the bottom of the fifth, 
to tie the game up for the Yankees. Seven games getting started now in the next uh, 10 minutes, uh, including the Angels at Philadelphia. Mike Trout not having a good return home. 0 for his last 23. Uh, Minnesota playing at Toronto. San Francisco in Miami. The White Sox at Tampa Bay amongst those going on. 72nd minute of play in Cardiff, where Wales is holding on to a 1-0 lead over Ukraine. Yeah, the winner of this goes to the World Cup. That's a big deal. For us, it's a big deal because they go into the United States group along with England and Iran. And even more important, they go into facing the U.S. on opening day of the World Cup, which is November 21st. So a lot of interest on this side of the pond for this game in Europe. At the French Open, Rafael Nadal, a straight set winner over Kasparudi, wins the French Open, as you mentioned, for the 14th time, 22nd major championship. I remember way back when, Steve, when we were talking about those major titles and the numbers have exploded for, for three players. I mean, right I mean, it's just, I mean, it was this, it was sort of a, uh, tennis is divided into two eras. There was the amateur era and then the open era, and people don't quite understand this, or do they probably even care? But until 1968, once you turned professional, you couldn't play in any of the Grand Slam tournaments. And this guy named Roy Emerson, when Rod Laver, the Rocket, uh, went into the uh, pro ranks, rattled off all these wins in the majors and got to 12. And that was the number that Pete Sampras broke. And so when he Sampras got to 14, everyone's like, all right, who's ever going to break that? Federer, 20, Djokovic, 20, and Nadal now 22. Unbelievable. All well, competing against each other at yeah. the same time. And yeah. as we discussed many decades ago, Steve, well, yeah. if you count Rod Laver, none of these guys count. Well, even counting the majors Rod Laver didn't get to play in, this would have been an amazing record. It would have been because he missed five years. He had 11, uh, did the Grand Slam twice, calendar Grand Slam twice. Who knows? I mean, there was Pancho Gonzalez, so you want to go old school. But, um, I mean, it's unbelievable that Nadal is still doing what he's doing right now. It's crazy. Uh, we are making our way towards game number two, NBA Finals. Boston does have that 1-0 lead. Uh, Robert Williams, game-time decision with his questionable knee for the Celtics. Gary Payton the second didn't play in the opener. Uh, big question mark for the Warriors uh, if they play tonight. Tip-off coming at 8 o'clock Eastern in San Francisco. And the puck dropping for game three of the Stanley Cup Eastern Conference Finals. That's at 3 Eastern. The Rangers with a 2-0 series lead as they play at Tampa Bay. But now we're going to play along as we join Steve Hartman and Rich Ornberger. All right, Ralphie, thank you very much. Um, so, Rich, yesterday I, I mentioned that I had Ryan Hollins with me here yesterday. And we talked about the legacy of Steph Curry. And there are a lot of people insisting, well, you know, he's done everything but be an NBA's finals MVP. And if he does that, suddenly it raises his legacy. But I thought he brought up uh, a really interesting point, again, the perspective of someone that played in the NBA. What does I defer to you a lot about? How do you look at legacy as a former NFL player in terms of what matters to you or what impresses you about somebody in the NFL? Longevity plays a big part of it in, in your definition of a guy that's really created a legacy. So I asked Ryan not about a comparison of LeBron and Steph. Come on, please. But I did ask him about Kevin Durant. And I said, who do you believe has had the better career? And he broke it down. I thought it was interesting perspective. He goes, who's, who's a better player and who's had the better legacy? Kevin Durant's the better player. But Steph Curry's had a greater legacy. And it makes a lot of sense. 
I don't think it matters about Steph Curry winning an NBA's final MVP or even winning another NBA championship because his legacy is this. He changed the whole dynamic of the game because of his prolific three-point shooting and people starting to break down the analytics of like a three-point shot versus a two-point shot. It changed how teams approach the game on the offensive end. This really started with the explosion of Steph and Clay, the Splash Brothers, and their proficiency at three-point land. Now, is Steph Curry a better player than Kevin Durant? No. And it was interesting, but he also brought this because it's complicated. So you look at Steph Curry and two of his three championships, Durant was the dominant player in the NBA Finals. Yeah. But according to Ryan, he says, but that doesn't happen unless you have a selfless star in Curry. Curry was coming out back-to-back MVP years, and he was deferring to Kevin Durant. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, you would talk about egos of the all-time magnitude. So I, I want to get your perspective here. But again, I'm always curious. I'm, I'm a fan's perspective. You're a, an athlete's perspective uh, on, on how you gauge in a team sport exactly – what we're looking at in Steph Curry. Well, make the comparison um, in other sports, and it becomes clearer to what Ryan Hollins was talking about. And we've had this discussion with different people, and and you've understood it similarly. Look, if you're going to compare players, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers the better quarterback. And I'm talking about skill set. I'm talking about pocket mobility. He's actually taken cues from Tom Brady, admitted this that he had a lot of aspects of his game that Tom Brady could not replicate if he tried because he's not as nearly a talented an athlete. But Tom Brady worked so well in the box he was limited to, meaning he's a pocket passer and that's all he'll ever be because he, he runs too slow to be a dynamic dual threat guy, even if it's just to extend plays like Ben Roethlisberger was, like Peyton Manning even could, like Aaron Rodgers has done a, his entire career, uh, Russell Wilson, any of his contemporaries. It's just not the game he's going to be able to play. So what did he get exceptional at? Moving within the pocket. And so Aaron Rodgers even admitted during the match, he was like, that's something I picked up from Tom. And you could argue he's now even better than Tom Brady in the pocket keeping his eye downfield, delivering these surgical strikes over the middle. He, There's no better like prototype of the modern quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. The ultimate technician. But if you look at Rodgers and Brady and you talk about legacy and you talk about the player and you talk about selflessness and you talk about sacrifice and you talk about all the things that also add up to make what a legendary quarterback will be, now, again, you're splitting hairs when you're talking Durant and Curry. Same with Rodgers and Brady, but somebody's got to be the GOAT, right? Somebody's got to be better than, right? And in my mind, it, that's when it shifts to Curry. That's when it shifts to Tom Brady because you're talking about people who could see the whole picture and have had success with multiple different groups at the highest possible level. And how do you do that? Well, the game's not just played physically. The game's also played men- mentally. And, I mean, just compare. I mean, these are two very apt comparisons. Look, Kevin Durant, as great of a player as he is, he has one fatal flaw. He's too sensitive when it comes to the media, when it comes to criticism, right? Steph Curry is unflappable. Same with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. What is one of the major flaws of Aaron Rodgers over the course of his career? He gets too distracted by what the outside is saying about him. Tom Brady cannot be bothered 
So when you're talking about greats, and again, you're splitting hairs when you're comparing Durant to Curry or Rodgers to Brady, it's very difficult to find the areas of weakness or perceived weakness. But if you concentrate on some of the things that Brady can do that Rodgers can or Durant can't do that Curry can, it becomes very clear. And so I agree with Ryan Hollins. I think Curry overall will always be considered to have the better legacy. It's always amazing to me when we talk about this whole legacy and ranking players and everything else, especially when it comes to basketball. Now, in keeping with the spirit of the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. There's no such thing as an NBA Hall of Fame. All-inclusive. It's all-inclusive. Their entire basketball careers, from a high school, there are literally high school coaches who've never coached at the college level or the professional level who are in the same Hall of Fame with all these great players and coaches. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has an unmatched resume from his days at Power Memorial High School, three straight championships at UCLA would have been four freshmen have been eligible six MVP awards in the NBA no one else has done that six NBA championships and think about this 38,387 points he made one three-point shot in his career one and by the way that that total which LeBron may pass this year I don't understand how with everything Kareem has done over the course of his entire career that he isn't the runaway number one you look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from, like you said, an all-inclusive standpoint, high school, college, and pro, and then also the evolution that occurred at the professional level because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the guy prior mm-hmm. to being traded to the Lakers and then after. And then Magic Johnson enters the scene. And yep. if if you're familiar with Winning Time, the new, uh, the new series on HBO. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, our buddy uh, sitting adjacent to me right now has yeah. been in three episodes, which is very fun. You're yes. uh, doing the same thing you're doing right now. Yeah, just talking. <laughs> just talking. Uh, but Winning Time does a great job because I, I went back and read the Showtime Lakers book written by Jeff Perlman. It does a great job of showing that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was willing to take a backseat to Magic Johnson. Yes, he was. And that, I mean, look, Jabbar was still at the height of his career. He was still one of the top players in the NBA, but he realized, oh, geez, you know, if this is going to work, some, something's got to give, and it's got to be me. Yeah. And it's got to be me. And that's exactly what we were talking about Steph Curry. He literally lo- relinquished control of this team to Kevin Durant to win two titles, and then he's left, and he's got another bite at the apple here with this current roster. There is... There is the 4D chess, you know, seeing the the extra dimension that the greats seemingly are always able to do, the legends are always able to do, that the great players who play with them or among them can't always do. And that's what separates a a guy like Steph Curry or a guy like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or a guy like Tom Brady from his contemporaries. They just can see the whole board as it's being played out. And by the way, going back to Kareem's six-year run in Milwaukee, they got to a championship when they acquired Oscar Robertson, who was a one-man show, yep. one of the most dominant players in the history of the NBA, who took a secondary role, recognizing the greatness of this young center, to accommodate him, let him be in the spotlight, uh, take a lesser role, and he was rewarded with what he had been seeking throughout his career in which he never won a championship, he got to be an NBA champion. All right, on the other side, there's one other legacy I want to get to here in these NBA finals. 
that's sort of getting lost but needs to be talked about. Coming up next. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Steve Harvey and Rich Ornberger here. This is Fox Sports Sunday. I, one guy I got to mention here to put a little perspective uh, on these NBA finals is... Clay Thompson, and yes, I'm a little biased here since I've known, uh, worked with his father and known Clay since he's 14 years old. But let's let's put this in perspective, right? This guy missed two full seasons, and when we talk about injuries, yeah, as bad as a knee injury is, when you have an Achilles, that's like a game ender it for could, most it, players. It used to be. And, and it's not anymore because we're seeing a much higher success rate, but the Achilles tendon rupture used to be like truly one of those, okay, now we enter the twilight. Now this is... Well, this is what happened to Kobe. This is re- the retirement he tour. He was never the same. In fact, he only played six games a year after the Achilles. And yeah, he had 60 points in that last game, but... 
Here's a guy, Clay Thompson, by the way. Well, when you literally take every shot. When you take every shot. I'm, you never forget. You know what I remember about that game? So we were getting ready for that last game, and yeah. I was like, well, how many shots do you think he's going to take? I said, I'll bet he takes like as many as like 35 shots. And he took 50. He took all of them. 50. Um, <laughs> the beauty of Kobe. Ah, anyway, he gave the fans what they wanted. Yeah, of course. Um, this is Clay Thompson's sixth straight trip to the NBA Finals. Because he didn't play a game in the last two years. So it's amazing. He has been to the NBA Finals six straight times. Game six, Clay, baby. I mean, think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He has been, I mean, we know LeBron was in the NBA Finals eight years in a row, four in Miami, four in Cleveland. But for Clay Thompson, in seasons in which he's played a game, this is his sixth straight year. In the NBA Finals. I picture there's like a Chicago Bulls player who is there through all the Jordan Finals, yeah. like before the retirement, after the retirement, and it, his name's like Job, uh, like like Bob Chapesky. Like we, <laughs> no, we no. don't know him. He was the 12th man on the bench, but he was there for them all. There but were Clay, only two players that played in all six of those Bulls teams, and it was Michael and Scotty. That's yep, it. Yep. Well, and and let's face it, Scotty. For uh, there's so many people who like to revise history is as important to those finals as Jordan was from the standpoint as look Batman needs his Robin. You wouldn't know that watching that Jordan uh, no, documentary. No, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. And, and and through the eyes of a child because that's what I was watching the Jordan right. years. It, to me, it was very clear. Jordan was everything, right? But then as you age, you realize, no, no, no. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs the wingman. Scottie Pippen played an integral role, and that's where Clay Thompson is. That's the world he exists in. And, you, again, you want to talk about selfless. You know, the world talks about Steph Curry, but those who know talk about Clay. You need the other splash brother here. You need the guy who's got ice running through his veins. When, when Curry, and let's face it, there have been games – there have been many games where Clay had to play hero because Curry couldn't. And whether that's because he's getting doubled or he's just having an off night because when your your game is predicated around shooting, eventually your hand's going to go cold and somebody's got to carry the water. And that's Clay Thompson, win healthy, win available. And that's been the majority of his career outside these two seasons. He has been awesome. And so, yeah, it's it's an amazing aspect of this story that I don't think gets rated highly enough. It's still the most amazing quarter of basketball ever. Klay Thompson still holds the NBA record, 37 points in a quarter, but it wasn't just 37 points What's in a quarter. What's going on with your mic over there? It's going know. limp on it's, you. It, it, it has. It's starting it's, to droop. I, I thought the lights were going out, and it's, it's going with my mic. Um, but in that 37-point quarter, which he scored 37 of, of his team's 41 points, yeah. he was 13 of 13 shooting, 9 for 9 threes, 4 for 4 from the free throw line. It wasn't just like 37 <laughs> I mean, points in a quarter. He hit every shot, 13 of 13, nine for nine yeah. in one quarter from three-point land, four for four from the free throw line. Yeah. He, some some fan dropped a piece of popcorn four rows down, <laughs> and he just tossed it over his shoulder, landed right back in the bucket. People say, what about Will when he scored 100? The most points he scored in a quarter was 31. Yeah, it's unbelievable. 37-point quarter. Clay Thompson will have that record forever. I, Without I, missing a shot! I, it, it, he was Without unconscious. Without missing a shot. So, yeah, it's, it's rough for me because I can't uh, say that I'm very excited about the Warriors, <laughs> but I'm I'm happy Clay's back because he worked hard. I he mean, worked very hard. to try. And you wonder, when you got all that, that guaranteed money in the bank. He's got forty million next year, forty-three million 
What really drives you? Like, his legacy was secure, and yet he drove himself to get there. All right, we got a lot of news going on in the sports world, including the latest on Deshaun Watson coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, rolling along on this Sunday, Fox Sports Sunday, Hartman and Ormberger with you. Yeah, we're excited about (laughs) Game 2 of the NBA Finals. If you haven't looked at the schedule, they're playing every three days. So as we're looking at the calendar right now, there's only one time where they're playing, I think uh, I think it's a, I'm right, right, like Saturday, Monday. But Game 7, if we get to a Game 7, we'll be two weeks, two weeks from today. Now, you know, like in Major League Baseball, in the World Series, Rich, you have a 2-3-2 format yep. where you play two games on consecutive nights. You have the travel day. Then you have three consecutive nights, a travel day, and then you have back-to-back nights. You have nine days to play seven games. We're talking about the potential of 17 days for seven games. You know what's so funny is on, uh, I forget where I was watching it, Instagram Reels or TikTok, there was this um, video footage of Steph Curry walking out of like, you know, whatever, some big box golf store because he got his grips refit on his clubs. (laughs) Right. And people are laughing, like, you know, because it's kind of that thing. It's like, well, what do you do? Let's let me figure this out. Yeah. All right. So you're used to a situation in the NFL. And, you know, having worked for an NFL team, I know the routine. You fly into a city, maybe the Friday before a Sunday game. And then you have a walkthrough on Saturday. And, but you're, the players aren't out and about. I mean, you're pretty much locked into your rooms. I fortunately was not locked into my room. And that's, that's another story. But That's if you're many stories. if you're if you're if you're the Boston Celtics, right? Yeah. And you played on Thursday and you have Friday off, yeah. Saturday off and then play Sunday evening. Are you just sitting in your hotel room for 3 days? No, or no, no. Hitting the town or what are you doing? In fact, your coaches are going to encourage you to get out of your hotel room. They're yeah. going to encourage you like, "Listen, yes, this is very important. We all are going to stake our are, this is going to be a career moment for all of us, but don't get don't get bogged down with the moment. Do something fun, and you know, for a lot of guys, that's going out for a night and having some drinks with friends, going for dinner, having family come out and. So visit you with would him. have given if you were coaching the Celtics, you would say, I mean, are you practicing? I, I and when I always think about practice, I always go back to 1989. 1989, when the Lakers had a chance to three-peat, they had not lost a single game in the playoffs. They were 11-0, and they had a long layoff between the NBA Finals and the rematch against the Pistons, and Pat Riley put them through boot camp. Yeah, not- and the next thing you know, they come out of boot camp, and both Magic and Byron Scott got hurt, and they got swept by the Pistons. So would you give them Friday off? Would you say, hey, look, we'll uh, we'll do a little walkthrough on Saturday, obviously, you know, we know what we're doing here, but yeah. do you give them Friday off? If if I were coaching, this is what I would do. You know, the 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 game ends and it is an emotional victory. Everybody showed out, played extremely well. They've been through the grinder in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yes. You know, they they survived the Bucks series. They had the elimination game they faced in both uh the Bucks and the Heat series and they they prevailed and they get this huge win on the Warriors home court. To start this series, I would say this. I would say, listen, take Friday. We're going to have a midday 
meeting followed by a light practice on on Saturday and we're going to gear up for Sunday. And and what I would do is I would meet with all the players and I would explain to them this way. If you get in trouble, you're going home. We'll see you in Boston. We'll we'll talk about whether or not we're playing you then. And then I would take a smaller group of players like Brown, Tatum, like my stars yeah, and smart, I would say, yeah. "Listen to me." So yeah, Marcus Smart, I would say, "Listen to me." <laughs> You, there, you, you can't get in trouble because we need you. Like, I, they, like I agree. I, this is so. So that's the one thing you give. You give some leash to your players. You want them to experience, have fun. You know, get get basketball off their minds for say fourteen hours. But you you cannot have anybody get into trouble. And as long as they avoid that, go play golf, go have dinner, go have a couple drinks, whatever they do to unwind. That's fine, but do not, do not sacrifice this series for one night. Here, here's something else I got to keep in mind with the Celtics. You know, after the game, Draymond was like, you know, we dominated 42 minutes of this game. Yeah, you didn't really dominate no, 42 minutes. It was, it was back like and a fourth. So uh, you dominated the third quarter, and then you got blown out in the fourth quarter. I don't know where he came up with that 42. They dominated minutes. the back half of the third quarter. Let's be right. honest. But yeah. I mean, really. But if you're the Celtics, you 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 have this mindset like, okay. Golden State had home court advantage. Now we got the home court advantage back. So there's that that tendency where you say, we got the win we needed. Yeah. We can sort of mail in game two. And I'm thinking, no, 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 and no. Because right now, the mindset of the Golden State Warriors, at least to start game two, is what the hell happened in that fourth quarter? There you go. Are you really going to eat that Snickers right now after you had two donuts? Well, and we're going to have Buffalo Wild Wings coming up here shortly. They're they're treating us. They're treating us here at Fox Sports Radio because the lights have been on and off with the power surge. I'm starving. (laughs) Okay, what what do you see me do in every show we sit in? Well, you just sit there. I just just sit here and I not eat. There's not drink. You like marinate in that seat. I got lots to say. All right, so but if I am the Celtics. I know going into at least the start of game two, the Warriors have still got to be thinking to themselves, like, what happened? What did the Celtics do where they dominated that fourth quarter? You got to step down their throat. Look at you. Why are you eating the Snickers? By the way, I got a question for all you guys. You can eat this. Milky Way. Ooh, great question. Snickers. Three Musketeers. What's better? All produced by Mars. Yeah. All right, they created these three candy bars. Yes. Milky Way, uh-huh. Snickers, Three Musketeers. Which one was the first one on the market? <laughs> what was the first? Rich is just housing sugar left yeah, and right. Yeah, he is uh, just- I believe guys, it would be- guys, uh, guys, this is a diet, what Dr. Pepper. What was the Pepper? first Mars? I'm trying to-, uh, I'm trying to Milky Way. Know, Keep the calories. You up. are right. Milky Way wow. was the original Woo! Mars candy bar. What about a Mars bar? Isn't there a Mars bar? There was briefly. Once upon a time. Which I whoa, like. whoa, whoa. So when did Mars so ball? do it again? So Milky Way's the first invented. Milky Way then was, was the, the first. Second? Then the Snickers bar, and then the Three the Musketeers. Musketeers was Snickers last. is the best. And then of course they came up with a contraption called M and M's. Yeah. Which uh, Roger Goodell's everything. favorite. Which was uh, launched right before World War II did started. You know? And they were like, "Let me get this straight." You got chocolate that's not going to melt. Yeah, and it's coated in candy. It coated Can- in candy. candy Perfect for a soldier on the move. And that's what they did. And they used to come in tubes. They weren't in the packets like we have now. They were like in a tube. Easier to back store. Back in those days, yes. Uh, uh, it's named after Mars and I think Maury or Millie. The, yeah, it the was. Inventor. Well, it was the Hershey family because Hershey controlled the chocolate. Yeah. So it was a combination of Mars 
And Milton. And the and it was like the son <laughs> of the head of Hershey's. And yes, his name started with an M, so that's Murray, where he yes. came up. Yeah, Murray. Oh, Murray. So I it was M and M. So that yeah. Yeah, I don't there know how it. we got sidetracked on that. But no, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm the Celtics going into this game, my mindset is we have to win this game. Look, because yeah. I, if we if we if we let Golden State back in this series, we have home court. What does that really matter? We saw the last time the Celtics were on their home court in a closeout game against the Heat. They laid an egg. And think, they had to go to Miami to close out that series. I think. I think as you know, like broadcasters and fans of yeah. sport. I, and and I've I've transitioned. Look, I used to be an athlete. I mean, now I eat stickers on the radio. You know, so I vacillate between both these brains, though. Like the way I thought about sport when I was playing it, and the way I thought think about it now. I'm telling you right now, nobody decides that a game is more important than any other game when you're in a locker room. Like every game, like if they can sweep, they want to. Of you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so it's so funny when you hear fans or broadcasters or anybody talk about series this way where it's like, you know, geez, that was the game they needed to win. It's like, no, no. <laughs> they need to win them all. <laughs> like, right. I mean, like you, you just, have to win four yeah. games. Yeah, so win them all. Win four in a row and win you're done. Win four in a row and you are done. So, I, so it is, uh, to your point, though, like people will say, okay, well, at least you got one in San Francisco. Well, what does that mean? We need four of them. So if I'm in that locker room and somebody came up to me in our franchise, like in the building, a coach, a player, and said to me, like, you know, at least we got one of these. I would look at them side-eyed and be like, we're we're trying to get both. We're trying to get all. Like, there's no, there's no at least this, at least that. Because if you're in the finals, it means you're a good enough team to win a championship. So why are we acting like the Golden State Warriors are some unbeatable foe that we snuck away with a victory on their home court? We belong here. We outplayed them. We'll do it in game two. And then game three and then game four, and we'll sweep and win this championship. Ready, break. That's the way athletes think about it. You never think about tomorrow. You think about tonight. You know, so it's going to be interesting. These are, I think these are way more equal opponents than I thought they would be. I agree with, I. it's not that Golden State is overrated. It's that Boston is underrated. And when you see yeah. an Al Horford in his 16th year knocking down six threes or a Derek White that most of us couldn't even pick out of a lineup, put up five threes, I, I, was, I said this. The reason I picked the Celtics the to way, win this State, series. Uh, Tatum was ice cold. He was like three of 17. Three, three of 17. The reason I picked Boston in this series is, is that I look at their three star players, you know, Brown, Tatum, and Smart, and then you look at the nucleus of the Warriors in Steph, Clay, and Draymond, Younger, Boston. I mean, I just, I, I just, and it showed in that fourth quarter. I mean, they stepped up there. It wasn't just knocking down threes. They stepped up that defense and they shut them down. So, uh, but age is yet just a number, well, Steve I know, I know. I mean, and there's something to be said about experience. Ah. I expect Golden State to come out on fire tonight, but I'm not expecting Boston to roll over by any means. Yeah, All right, coming up on the other side, we have uh, a new, new entry into the Deshaun Watson world coming up next. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. 
the Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Steve Harbin and Rich Armberger here on uh, Fox Sports Sunday. All right. Yeah. By the way, I I had to uh, relent when when I saw you pull out the mini yeah, the pony, Diet Dr. The, Pepper. The pony cans. I love those. Hey, cheers, I mean, buddy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> this pepper's for you. I, 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 I love that. I love Diet Dr. Pepper. Mm. All right, so um, the Deshaun Watson. You know, we just had this uh, Johnny Depp uh, situation, right, with uh, what's her name? Oh, with Amber Heard. Amber Heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, this captivated the country, right? Six yeah, I mean, weeks no of unrelenting entertainment. But think of what we're looking at now with Deshaun Watson. A 24th woman now has filed a lawsuit against him. We're up to 24 and counting. That's two dozen. And the way this is going to work, you have the one attorney representing each of these now 24 women, and these are 24 separate civil suit trials. Separate. Yeah. And, and in fact, there's there's been a lot of talk about legally what can he do? Can he bring up one case to show a pattern for the other cases? You know, there's a lot of legal jargon here on both sides and exactly how they could present each one of these cases. But we know this because the testimony is out there. and We've seen publicly women speak about it. It seems to be the same story for all 24 women, that they were hired to do a massage and he was trying to get them to do more. I mean, that's basically what it came down to, right? He hires these women to give them a massage, and then suddenly he engages in an activity well, hang on. to uh, force them to do more than just deliver a massage. It gets worse than that, and here's how. Because this was recently reported because testimony was given about a gift that Deshaun Watson apparently paid to a Houston spa owner. Okay, so Rusty Harden, who's defending Deshaun Watson, says that the $5,000 that he gave 
to a spa owner was because he was a nice guy and he was looking to support black businesses. Um, at least three of the plaintiffs, uh, plaintiffs, this is coming from a USA Today article, worked for the worked for or were associated with Dion Lewis, who was the recipient of this five thousand dollar payment. Nia Smith, who filed suit last week against Deshaun Watson, who was the 23rd, by the way, plaintiff added to this lawsuit, specifically claims now that Lewis facilitated massages for Watson, knowing that Watson was attempting to have sex with his massage therapist. So I don't know the law, but if you are supplying money in by way of gifts to a spa owner who is then cultivating therapists to perform sexual acts on you. It does doesn't that doesn't okay. that avail I mean, yourself I mean, to even more legal jeopardy? Of course it does. Look, what are we pretending? We know what his intent was. He's not, he's not hiring 40 women to all come in to do massages unless he feels like there's an opportunity to get more. I don't this is and again they are conceding the fact he's already spoken that he had sexual activity with at least three of these women, but it was all consensual. Everything his answer to every question was whatever the accusations are, everything was consensual. That they were brought in simply to you know give me a massage, but things suddenly got a little more heated, and it was they were as much the instigator as I was. I was playing along. This is his defense. Here's the problem right now for the National Football League. Let's even go back to the Browns when they signed him to that fully guaranteed $230 million contract. They said, once they gave him all this guaranteed money, that they had done their due diligence. Right. They had done their own internal investigation, which, by the way, was news to the attorney representing the women because he because never talked to us. But they did their due diligence. And what they really came down to this we sat down with Deshaun Watson and said, what's the story here? And his answer was, I didn't do anything wrong. Good enough for us. Boom, here's $230 million. That's basically what the Browns did. Meanwhile, the NFL has been doing their investigation, and yes, they have been talking to these women. But the reason we haven't heard any decision yet is there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. We were at 21, then we're at 22, 23, 24. The numbers keep growing, and each one of these will be an individual case. They're not lumped all together. No, one, no, this two. isn't a class action. So this is going to go on for perpetuity. I don't know how long this is going to go well, on. Well, it's going to go on as long as there are available and willing plaintiffs who want to sue Deshaun Watson civilly for what they're claiming to be uh, sexual misconduct or sexual assault, well, depending on this. the, agree- does, the, the how agree- egregious the offense was. Does there seem any feasible way this is all going to be resolved by the start of this season coming Absolutely up? Absolutely not. Look, here, here's- I don't understand. I, if I were the NFL right now, I would say, look, okay, the way they structure your contract, you're only going to list out them. You're not playing in 2022. Yeah. Okay, we we need we need a lot more time to make it. I don't even know why they're delaying on this. Let me tell you why they're delaying on this. Because right now, the sports calendar is filled with topics of interest. You have the NBA Finals going on. 
You have Major League Baseball just starting to pick up steam on the other side of Memorial Day. There are things of interest. There is a dead period in the sports calendar, and it's coming up very shortly, and this is usually when the worst of news is delivered by the NFL. This is very typical. It's going to be on a Friday afternoon. It's going to hopefully be uh, superseded by some major newsworthy event. They're, they're hoping the news cycle turns quickly, but it will be announced at some point during the dead period on the sports calendar because that's what they want. They want as little negative press as they can get. They want as much positive, and they're hoping this goes away from them. And they're hoping it, it appeases the bloodlust of the general public who wants to see Deshaun Watson get punished for his sins. Now, whether or not you side with Deshaun Watson or you side with the plaintiffs in this or you 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 just want him for your fantasy football team or wherever you land, you know, somewhere in between most likely. The fact of the matter is there is going to be discipline. The NFL has made that much clear. We just don't know how long of a suspension well, how it's can going you lay to be. We don't even know what's going to happen in these civil trials. We have no clue what, what more details we're going to get in these civil trials. If I was the NFL right now, and look at the Browns had the foresight in structuring this contract where he's paid almost zero for the 2022 season. Just say, look, I mean, this is going to play out for at least two years. Well, Right now, you're suspended for 2022, and then we'll reevaluate based on what happens in these civil suits for beyond that. And what's also interesting is we, we get used to this idea of saying, well, he's only getting a million dollars in his first year. That's not true because this bank account says that's not true. Yes, he did get a big signing bonus. Humongous. And see, that's the part of this story that is most stomach-turning for people who understand the contract he just signed and what he's being accused of. Now, again... He isn't guilty of these things yet. He's just been accused of these things civilly, and he hasn't been criminally charged of anything. But we know how this works. Civil cases can mushroom into into criminal cases. Just because he hasn't been indicted on any charges yet doesn't mean he won't, and doesn't mean that they won't find evidence of other malfeasance that occurred here. So, look, this story, like you said, is yet to reach any sort of conclusion. Deshaun, we haven't even really started yet. But what we do know is that Deshaun Watson on file yeah. has 24 separate lawsuits against him <laughs> for very similar acts. Right. So the NFL is going to make a disciplinary uh, decision here, and and here's here's what I think is going to occur. Regardless of how long of a suspension they give Deshaun Watson, it is not going to satisfy everybody. And then there's the Baker Mayfield situation we'll get to on the other side because, oh, that's right. He's still property of the Cleveland Browns. He's still on Under the contract. Cleveland Browns payroll for the upcoming season, how that will all play out. All right, I want to get out a little bit early right now, and uh, I'm just feeling about this guy. I'm just feeling about this guy. Let's find out what's trending right now. Ralph Irvin, yeah. uh, who's been just, uh, you know, He's been parading on around on his uh, shirt. Uh, the shirt is giving him a felt. lot of confidence. I'll say that. Ralphie looks good in it. He I knows he confidence. looks good in it. Yeah, 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 he does. Strutting, strutting, doing it's his It's just, thing. you know, you're, you, I don't know when the last time was I saw you, Rich. She's yeah. in person? Yeah, see? Yeah, I mean, we're like passing ships, and I blame you. And Do you share pictures? I mean, you say saw you in person. I mean, you mean in person? Yeah. No, we, I mean, we you, you know exchange pictures uh, all the time uh, of each other. We Facebook. We uh we Insta. I don't know, Instagram. Ralph. When we, do? when we do this show, do you like? I mean, you see me here in studio, but when Rich is not in studio, do you have a picture of Rich in the studio no. so you can see him? We while text. You're we Facetime. Doing the show? No. 
No, none of these things that Rich just says are true. <laughs> okay, okay, well, we're used to that. We know. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're a, you're a known liar, Steve Hartman. I tell the truth. Ask Steve anything. You, you know are fake news. That's a very good point, yeah. yeah ask Steve anything. <laughs> Steve. All right, Steve. Yes. Ask when was the you. last time that Wales went to the World Cup? Wales went to the World Cup. I, I didn't say I had an answer for everything. Okay. You can ask me anything. That would be 1958. 1958, wow. which wow. was a year, by the way, that Pele really happened upon the world stage of the World Cup at age 17. And in fact, in the last Wales World Cup game, they lost to Pele in Brazil 1-0. Yeah, so, but that was, that was a... 1958 when Brazil won their first World Cup and a 17-year-old named Pele became a worldwide phenomenon. It was a spirited match. There you go. Well, today, Wales was a 1-0 winner <laughs> over Ukraine and will next take on the United States November 21st, day one of the World Cup. They will be uh, the second match that will be played that day. So there's a little re- relevance to U.S. fans. Now, right now, plenty of baseball on the Diamonds and a wild one that's been going on at Yankee Stadium. Javi Baez gave the Detroit Tigers a 4-3 lead in the eighth inning, but Glaber Torres with an RBI coming on a fielder's choice has tied it up for all, and that game is headed to the ninth inning. Cleveland still leads Baltimore 3-0. Minnesota has gotten two RBI from Jorge Polanco. They have a 5-1 lead at Toronto. That game is in the bottom of the second inning. The White Sox, four runs in the first, two runs in the second, leading at Tampa Bay 6-0. That's still in the second inning. Cincinnati put together a three-run first. They have a 3-2 lead over Washington. Now in the third, Angels in Philadelphia, Arizona and Pittsburgh. San Francisco, Miami, all scoreless. Milwaukee gets a home run from Colton Wong. Takes a 1-0 lead over the Padres. That's in the bottom of the first inning. Coming up about a half hour from now, it'll be Game 3 of the NHL's Eastern Conference Final with the New York Rangers taking their 2-0 series lead into Tampa. Let's take on the Lightning coming up tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern. It will be Game number 2 of the NBA Finals. Boston playing at Golden State. The Celtics with that one-game lead. And we'll find out if Robert Williams is able to play for Boston or Gary Payton II will play for Golden State. Those were question marks heading into that game, but no question mark here as we send it back to Steve Hartman and Rich Hornberger. All right, uh, Ralphie, thank you very, very much. Um, I, I want to, on a much lighter note, um, as far as the NFL is concerned, Ryan Fitzpatrick has made it official. He has retired from the NFL, I, I want to put a little perspective here on Fitz Magic. Okay, seventeen seasons. He was a seventh round pick, picked in the final round of the two thousand and five NFL Draft. Did you know that he played at Harvard? Not only did he play at Harvard, <laughs> his Wonderlick score. Did you know that it was a perfect forty? It, it, no, it's fifty. Is a possible thirty. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have a perfect fifty. He had forty-eight out of fifty. Well, I don't know where you. That's him, pretty good. I think you misspelled his name or something. I'm not quite sure, but he had forty-eight out of fifty. Seventh round draft pick. He played for nine different teams. Threw for almost thirty-five thousand yards. He actually started 147 games, 223 career touchdown passes. But he's one of those. You know, he never made the playoffs. I mean, think about that. Never made the playoffs. Well, okay. Yes. 17 years is a long time to play without going to the postseason. That seems almost impossible, right? In today's NFL, it seems more 
difficult to believe because <laughs> with 14 teams invited, you got to figure at some point you're on one of those teams. But it was 12 for a very long time and throughout most of his career. So it's more believable then. And here's what I'll also say. Ryan Fitzpatrick started a lot of football games. If you look at his career stats. Not only that, he started games for each of the nine teams. No team, no quarterback in the history of the NFL has ever started games for nine different franchises. And I'll and and let's face it, he was a very capable, solid quarterback. He was never he never took that step to be <laughs> elite. And we know what this. But he league, had moments where he was. No, elite. yeah, there were about like those hot stretches. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. We and were then, like Fitz Magic. And then all of a sudden, there would be a confounding couple game streak when he, yeah. you know, he's throwing the football to the other team a lot. But, but I will say this about him: arguably one of the great greatest guys in a locker room. I haven't, and I've met and talked to a lot. Of, I've never met him personally, but I've met and talked to a lot of his former teammates. <laughs> To a man, you can't find a single person who didn't love playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He seems like one of the, one of the best people who've manned the, the quarterback position in the league. What's up? So he played among, with other teams, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, many. yeah, for a long stretch. And when Buffalo played New England in the wild card game this past year, and Buffalo won that game in yep. Buffalo, yep. freezing, freezing weather as usual, he went to the game. He was like in the stands, shirtless. Yeah, he took his shirt off, he put on a beanie, and he slammed beers in the parking lot I with mean, the Bills Mafia. I mean, the one that, I, when I look at that, I mean, the beard, the hair, I mean, this guy just has, I mean, he, he's, I don't know. Again, when we talk about, to me, when you when you talk about a Hall of Fame, all right, I want to I want to get into something on this very quickly here because I know Fitz, you're just Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, belongs. no, 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 no. He's he wasn't a Hall of Fame quarterback. I could but, make an argument, but he was a Hall of Fame character. In other words, if you were to encompass the 100 year history of the National Football League, there's got to be like a spot, right? If you're telling the history of the NFL. For a character like Ryan Fitzpatrick, a seventh-round pick out of Harvard, who you know scored 48 on his wonder lick, NFL record, started games for nine different teams, never made the playoffs. He was a great character. I don't know. There's got to be something there where you, you know, he wasn't obviously that kind of a quarterback. But if you're telling, if the Hall of Fame is like a museum where you're telling the history, there's got to be something for a guy. I'm like so this. glad you said this because I feel like over our years working together, I finally softened your stance on the Hall of Fame a little bit. Yes. Look, Hall of Fames are very stupid, and I've said this to Hall of Fame voters. I mean, I've said this to people who are in charge, the gatekeepers of the event of voting people into this. I don't care who hears this opinion because at their, the, really when you think about it, it's true. How am I being told who's great? That's a subjective analysis. Who are, who are you to tell me who I should value more than others based on what? Your metric? Because at the end of the day, when, when you're comparing – I don't know, quarterback to a linebacker to a receiver to an offensive tackle. Like what 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 makes one better than the other? What what makes one's candidacy more valid than than another? I I just think that this exclusivity of this around this event of giving somebody a bust and a gold jacket, it's so ridiculous 
and so unnecessarily demeaning to some of the greatest athletes who we've ever enjoyed watching. I mean, think about the petitioning and the campaigning that some of these athletes oh, have to go through. It's, absolutely. It's it's like alarming. I just, we we I interviewed just think, Tony Baselli right. at the Super Bowl. Yes. Tony Baselli, for those who don't know, was an amazing offensive And by tackle. the way, we already knew, because yeah, yeah. he was still awaiting the <laughs> official word, if finally he was going to get into the Hall of Fame. But, you know, he was one of those classic super dominant but for a short career. career. Yeah, like a supernova career. Really, really great, but ver- for a very short right. time. And then his shoulders gave out and all. We know the history. But but my point is, why, why does why does he have to have people complaining on his behalf to get in? To your point about Fitzpatrick, to the point about other elite-level players who have passed through the, the NFL over the years, why do we have to wait till a bunch of nerds who are writing articles about these athletes decide whether or not they get to enjoy their moment in the Sun post-career? I think it's ridiculous. I think it's inane. And I do think that guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, guys who are like a Charlie Batch, for years the third-string quarterback in with the Pittsburgh Steelers, won many, many different titles. How do you last that long in the league? One of the all-time great guys. I knew a guy, Vince Evans, who was a backup with the Raiders. Often he would release, resign, release, yep. resign like seven years in a row. Um, another guy who uh, will officially announce his retirement is Frank Gore. I love his stats. Here's my favorite thing about it. he has two stats I love because you know I'm a numbers guy. Yeah, yeah. Frank Gore played 16 years in the NFL and finished his career with. Exactly 16,000 yards rushing. Now, you don't have to be a math genius to figure out the math, right? 16 years, and he finished with exactly 16,000 yards rushing, okay? He also finished his career with exactly 100 career touchdowns. Yeah. Now, I'm a numbers guy, so I love these kind of round numbers. I was talking to our buddy Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, about Frank Gore in the Hall of Fame, and he is adamant. Like He goes, this is a no-brainer. 16 years as a running back in the NFL for a guy who had major knee surgery in college, which was the knock on him coming out of college. Well, you know, running backs, normal career is about four to five years on average at best. And the guys coming out of college already having had major knee reconstruction. He's not going to have a very long career. Like coming up in the 2023 class, there's going to be a lot of great players of recent note who are going to be introduced as potential candidates to the Hall of Fame. Like a Joe Thomas who played forever at offensive tackle with the all losing seasons. He's a first ballot. Uh, you, Dwight Freeney is going to be made available. Mm. Uh, There's there's former teammate Cam Chancellor. Uh, yeah, former teammate of mine with the Chargers at the end Most of his Most interesting career. man in the world. D- very interesting Dwight cat. Dwight Freeney. He oh, was my very, gosh. I interviewed Dwight many times, and he is... And a, one of the great talkers. Oh, yeah. If you get yeah. him going, man, Dwight, you could have a two a two hours evaporates with Dwight. But anyway. he was known as the most interesting man in the world. No, there's no doubt. <laughs> there, and there's no doubt, trust me when I tell you. Um, Darrell Revis, he's a lock. You yeah. know, there's there's guys who, you know, you're going to look at and you'd say they're going to get yeah. in on a first balloter eventually. James Harrison. James Harrison is going to be looked at due to his career stats as a guy who, eh, man, I'm probably not going to make it. He was a defensive player of the year. Look, James Harrison, his story is one of the great stories in NFL history. How many times was he cut and released before he actually stayed? Uh, I mean, multiple times. Nine times? A practice squad player who elevated to the greatest heights of football glory in the NFL, played in NFL Europe when Mm -hmm. it was still there. Yes. I mean, this. How about his Super Bowl run? Buddy. 
when when we talk about <laughs> greatness in sports, yes, I think the problem is and Hall of Fames especially, right? Somehow we lose the thread, and mm-hmm. and we allow people to encourage us to believe that stats are everything or career achievements are everything, and I can't stand it. And I hope I hope in my lifetime I see a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick get in. On, on a lifetime achievement. I don't know. A guy like James Harrison, I hope, eventually gets in on an honest ballot or eventually they make some sort of provision because it's stupid that guys like that get left out in the cold, even though their value to the league cannot be understated. And if you're talking about history-worthy players across the league's time, uh, you, you can't write that history without a, a James Harrison or Ryan Fitzpatrick, for that matter. The NFL can do no wrong, right? I mean, is that the feeling? It doesn't matter what they throw out there. They can do no wrong. Well, that changed this week. We'll tell you why. Coming up next. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Steve Harbin and Rich Orenberger here. This is Fox Sports Sunday. During the week, there was a much-publicized event. Not sure everybody that saw this. It was the match. The match. Now, we've seen the match. The match actually started originally. Where, where's Ralph? Where's Ralphie? I need Ralphie on the air here to give us. Oh, uh, he's sprinting back there. Because he is our. By uh, the way, he, he's our Mr. Golf. He here. gave me. Uh, he gave me the website to uh, to the Hawaiian shirts that he wears. Yeah, I did. And then I was showing you. Well, I only I used have to, one. Back in the day, I used to oh, wear shirts like this. These are All really right, so solid, Ralph, dude. Uh, yes. Reminded the the original match was Tiger versus Phil. Is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it sort of evolved after that, and then they started bringing in these 
NFL players to mix in with professional golfers. But this time around, they decided to eliminate the professional golfers, and we're going to go all NFL. So we're going to take the two old pros, Brady and Rodgers, and the two young guns, Mahomes and Allen, and we're going to do a television show based on these four guys hacking their way around a golf course. Yeah, it was Tiger and Phil, and then it was Mickelson and Manning against Tom Brady and Woods. I remember that. And then they did the Champions for Change, which was Mickelson partnered with Charles Barkley, and it was... Peyton and Steph. Oh, that's right. Peyton Manning and Steph so Curry. there was only one pro there. All right, but you had yeah. a pro. This is and the And it's first evolved time. over time, yeah. So they now eliminated the pros and just gone with the players. Well, also, Mickelson's not available right now. Yeah, exactly. Actually, he's very available. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, good point. But uh, unlikely to show up. So, I, Ralph, did you watch the match? No. Okay. Yeah, and I then, watched the match. I watched the U.S.-Morocco in soccer. All right, but whoa, 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 whoa. Have you watched the matches, the previous ones we yes. were talking about? Yes, okay. all of them. So by eliminating a professional golfer from the match was a reason for you not to watch the match I'm going to take? No, I just, well, yes, because okay. you're not going to see good golf. Okay. You just know right. you're not going to see good golf. And that, that's sort of the point, right? In other words, if the idea of the show is to just sort of have guys hanging out, right? And just having a good time and goofing and trash talking and everything yeah. like that, that's fine. I mean, there, there's a time and space. You know, you have sort of like a, a room full of famous athletes and they're just trash talking. And, yeah, it can be entertaining. To me, this was such a distraction, the golf part of it. Because it was like, first of all, Tom Brady immediately cheated on the second hole. I, I couldn't believe what I told you this. Oh, so, yeah, I remember so, this. So Mahomes and Allen lose the first hole. So they're down one. They're only playing 12 holes. And Brady rolls a putt, a putt about, I mean, six five, feet? Five, five to six feet past the hole. And he's looking up at Mahomes, and Mahomes is like, yeah, putt it out. And Brady's like, really, you're going to go there with this? He's like, prison rules, I see. Yeah, prison rules. (laughs) And he just picked up the ball. Yeah. And then Mahomes missed his pot to lose the hole. And Brady's like turning in the camera. Can you believe this? I'm like, dude, if you're actually playing, and they were playing for charities and everything else in this thing. I have a feeling, honestly, I really do have a feeling that a producer got in his ear and was like, you know, put those out, huh? <laughs> Dude, like, come on. I mean, there was something on the line let, here. Let me put I'm it to you this bragging rights or whatever, but they were playing for charities. And I'm like, watching Brady pick up this putt that's six they're, feet from the hole. They're missing drives. They're missing fairways. Uh, I just. They're, they're putt, there were three and four putt attempts. I mean, look. How dependent was that telecast on Charles Barkley? That's exactly where it was going. I, I think if you are going to have a bunch of athletes who are out there golfing and they're not good at golf they better be entertaining none none of them were no to take you back steve remember there used to be all-star golf that was shot at the lakeside country club back in the black and white days yeah do this event edit it down so all you're seeing is some highlights no one's going to know what happened this could have happened you know error six months from now and listen all but the the idea was you got four star nfl quarterback you put them in any setting it's 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 the nfl and i'm telling you this one cannot be repeated all all, all these guys are entertaining at times i'm not saying look tom brady's entertaining guy so is josh allen patrick mahomes aaron Rodgers. i mean 
he entertained us the entire season, not only on the football field, but off. He had a lot of things to say. He shared a lot of opinions. He had the book club with, uh, you know, Pat McAfee, like the whole thing, right? But in this environment, to your point, it, it just didn't sing. Like, it just didn't really yeah. pop. And so I think, look, Nick Mangold, former All-Pro center for mm-hmm. the New York Jets, had the best ideas. Like, you get two groups of retired offensive linemen you drink a beer a hole, you let the hilarity ensue, and that's the way you do it. But if you're going to have people sitting down, hunkering down for an event like this. All right, coming up on the other side, enough of that golf. Uh, how about some comments by a very prominent college football coach coming up next? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, it's been a big Sunday in the world of sports, and we got it all covered here on Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. Steve Harbin and Rich Ormberger with you. I just heard Sam ask you about your allegiance to the New York Rangers, who, by the way, are up 2-0 in their series against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Lightning. Yep. Meanwhile, the Avalanche now are just one win away from the Stanley Cup final Remember, it's the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Final. It's not plural. When you think about the uh, actual, it makes sense, right? It can't be multiple finals. Why is it the NBA Finals? Well, because it's a conglomeration of the ABA and the NBA. I I don't know. (laughs) They call it the Stanley Cup Final, which makes sense, right? There's only one final. Uh, Ralph, what is the difference between the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Final? Well, the simple answer would be the NBA is counting the number of games. I would like to say the NBA is counting the number of weeks it takes the NBA Finals. <laughs> well, okay, there you well, have it. Yeah, it does seem like multiple finals. You know, when it takes multiple two weeks. weeks yeah, uh, I see they're uh, interviewing Mark Messier right now. Of course, led the Rangers to their only Stanley Cup win since 1940, back in 1994, when he led the Rangers to a. Uh, Stanley Cup final. Now, you grew up in New York. Were you a hockey fan at all? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I would walk to Islander games with my grandfather, who we moved in with when I was eight years old. Uh, my family moved into my grandparents' house, and my, my grandpa was a season ticket holder. So he was an Islanders fan. He was an Islanders fan. Now, let's get back in a little history here. So the Islanders were an expansion team in the 70s, and the Rangers had waited all these years and the Islanders rattled off four straight Stanley yeah. Cup wins from 80 to 83. And then they went through some tough then later they went years. Through, uh, for a lot of years. <laughs> well, well, uh, but then the was, Rangers, so yeah. wait a second, in 1994, you're eight years old. Was uh, the Rangers winning the Cup big news? Oh, well, yeah, of course it was. And the Islanders weren't very good at the time. No. And, and they had some spots where, you, well, really the NHL draft is when you thought like the fortunes were turn, would turn. But... Uh, I went to games with them. We could walk to Nassau Coliseum from the house I grew up in. Right. And so when my cousin, who actually played hockey in college, couldn't go because that was his preferred grandchild to bring and there was no one else to bring, he would would ask me if I wanted to go. And I think the reason why... I it was the last he'd ask is because I complained about the walk. <laughs> I'd be like, Grandpa, it's so far. I mean, really, in like in in kids, it, it felt like we were walking across the desert to get there. Meanwhile, it was only about two miles. When the Ducks won the cup in 07, uh, my kids have a picture with the Stanley Cup. Oh wow! Yeah, they brought you know they, they after they won the cup and they had and they got an opportunity to get a picture with 
the Stanley Cup. Hopefully they didn't touch it. Those Stanley Cups go through a lot after they the, do. It, well, they're just passed from player to player. And they do whatever they want yeah, with if it. If that cup could talk, can you imagine? Oh, but, I, uh, oh, uh, oh. So anyway, uh, we uh, who knows? Could be Rangers, could be the Avalanche facing off in the Stanley Cup final. All right, I want to play some sound for you, Rich. Okay, we've been hearing a lot from these college football coaches, whether it's Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher, Ryan Day spoke. You hear what Ryan Day said? It's going to cost us $13 million just to uh, have the team we have right now. He's just throwing out ridiculous numbers. So we've been hearing some really offbeat comments from these major college coaches. So Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. And part of the reason we thought, why is he leaving Notre Dame for LSU, is maybe he feels like the only thing missing on my resume is to win a national championship. And based on LSU history, uh, which the last three coaches that preceded him all won a national championship, this could be my ticket to a national championship. But this NIL stuff is hanging over these big-name coaches. Listen to what Brian Kelly had to say. This has turned into a runaway train that has moved well past a student athlete and, and is moving too fast towards, you know, a professional, you know, contract. And I don't think that's what the intention was. I don't think they want contracts because I don't think they want to be traded. <laughs> I'm sure they don't want to be cut. <laughs> um, I'm sure they're not going to like getting a call at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and say, hey, I don't know, but we traded you today to St. Bonaventure. Uh, and oh they don't have a football team either. yeah i mean to me that is the most ridiculous commentary i've ever heard yet on this nil well look brian kelly is so far detached from reality um because this is this is the problem with certain star athletes and we concentrate on them more because frankly they're more interesting than coaches um, but certain star athletes, they surround themselves with yes men and people like, you know, the members of the media there who are interviewing, holding up microphones in front of him, trying to get this sound clip, chuckle along with the things that they say and, you know, do a lot of nodding, even though they disagree with what's, what's happening. And this is, this is the problem. It's, it's, it's like computer code. If you put junk code in, you get junk programming out. This guy is surrounded with people who think he's the smartest guy in the room. And he's arguably, in most rooms, the richest guy in the room, too, because he's getting paid handsomely for what he does as a football coach. But he is Bri- the highest paid state employee in the state of Louisiana, I promise but you But Brian that. Kelly isn't hitting anybody. Brian mm-hmm. Kelly isn't suffering concussions to earn his paycheck. Brian Kelly, shoot, I mean, I, I don't. when's the last time he's been tackled, if ever? Look, the fact of the matter is for years and years and years, college athletes have been been sacrificing body and brain for the multi-billion dollar institution that is the NCAA and the hundreds of millions of dollars that these college programs are now making on, on sometimes the broken backs of their student athletes. And some of these guys don't walk away from the game. They limp away and with little to show for it. Because as much as a Brian Kelly, for example, wants to talk about the quote-unquote student athlete, does he really give a damn if any of his guys earn their degree? Or does he care about winning championships? Does he really care about his players if he's willing to uproot his life and ditch Notre Dame to go and 
chase more money down south in the bayou where he put on that fake accent. Look, Brian Ke- Kelly, he is he is shilling for his side. He wants to make sure that his paycheck will always be fat while suppressing the amount of money these players can make for what is real work at these universities. For every person out there who thinks NIL is a huge problem and thinks it's going to destroy college football, why don't you turn that mirror around and point it at yourself and think about all the coaches who have reaped the benefits of this system over the years, all the administrators, all the school presidents. All Look, the NCAA, you know, for what it is, I mean, it's it's offered opportunities to student-athletes, real student-athletes in its past. But that has not been the case for years and years and ages and ages at this point. I, I love what you talk about, you know, first of all, this idea of the student-athlete. Like what do we? I mean, I mean, I mean, that lie. It's a perpetration. And and again, I was talking to Ryan Hollins yesterday, and I said, when he was in the 2006 Final Four, and he was the MOP of the West Region, and you know, you know how they would do it. Like, any questions for our student athletes? (laughs) They always do that. Any questions for our student athletes? I mean, if you want to talk about a coach that actually walk the walk instead of talking the talk when they're concerned about the education of athletes, how about this step? Pat Summit, the legendary late great University of Tennessee, Tennessee women's basketball coach, she coached at the University of Tennessee for 33 seasons. Every single player she had, every one graduated from the University of Tennessee, without exception. Think about that. 33 years. How many women went through that Tennessee basketball program? Every single one graduated from college now that's that's when you can talk the talk okay yeah yeah, when you're when you're bringing up you know the the concern about the student athlete out there look here's why there's so much fear and when ryan day saying well it's going to cost us 13 million dollars to keep the team we got together oh by the way nick saban saying you know look at jimbo (laughs) fish he bought his players which was a warning sign to the university of alabama alums to pick up their pace on these collective here's the thing Potentially, it's a game changer that now anybody can play the game. Yeah. Because if it is a money's game, and remember when Mississippi football a couple of years ago got those five star recruits and Saban is warning the sound? Oh, yeah. And yeah, the NSA yeah. did the investigation. They oh, found yeah. all this kind of stuff, and Mississippi immediately was put on probation. We don't have to worry about that anymore. If you want to be one of these schools, if you want to play with the big boys, there is now an avenue called NIL. Well, yeah. Collectives. You can spend the money. If it is that important to your university, there's nothing holding you back oh, anymore. SMU back in the day, how did they rise to power? Sure. And we've seen this before. Every time we've seen a school just seemingly come out of nowhere, immediately the big time schools are like, uh, uh, look at them. Look at them. My problem with this is, look, can't there, do that anymore there, there, with NIL. There are some coaches who have remained pretty quiet on this, and I appreciate their silence because, frankly, like even the lowest rung mm-hmm. coaches are making. I'm talking about head coaches at at FBS programs are making either near or more than a million dollars in annual salary. A million dollars. Yeah, think about that. Every single year. That means if they coach at the same program for five years, even if they're not very good at their job, even if the program isn't winning, they bring home five million bucks. In that time, how many student athletes have come and left that university? 
football players, basketball players, whatever profit sport we're talking about, and had a horrible injury that significantly changed their life. Right. You know, so like really when we when we turn around this picture and we start saying, like, who's been benefiting from this system? Everybody likes to say, well, these students get a free education and you see the tuitions. Well, then why don't we start asking, why are they charging so much in tuition in the first place? If they these organizations, these these athletic programs are making so much money for the schools that they're able to pay head coaches millions of dollars. So it is all so unbelievably hypocritical that finally you have student athletes playing profit sports, getting a bite at the apple, and everybody clutches their pearls, get lost. By the way, here in the state that we broadcast from, California, there was some legislation that was introduced. It failed the first step, but where it goes even further. Instead of just the NIL, what they're talking about is revenue-generating sports. 50% of that revenue has got to be distributed to the players on that revenue-generating sport. Somebody was doing the math here at, let's say, the University of Southern California. USC football players would get each about $200,000. That would not be oh. – that would be separate from the NIL. They could do their own individual and I NIL love, And deals. I love I love this. I love I love the people who start going, like, you know, and what are we going to do? We're going to give 18-year-olds this kind of money? What is this going to do to the youth of America? Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. but 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 we're – we're allowed to send 18-year-olds to Iraq for Correct. the past 25 Absolutely. years to fight for our freedom? Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you think would have a more staggering or positive effect on a, on a young man? Sending him to war or sending him to a school to get a $50,000 a year education well, think about our legal system. at USC and get $200,000 in payment? In our I, legal I think, system, I think that's more if positive. you commit a crime at age 18, you're held to the full extent of the law. So what? We can't give these guys a so quarter million saying, dollars. Well, what if what if they fail? Well, what happens in our legal system if they fail? Exactly. They're an adult, at least by our standards. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think you've said this, and and I would echo this. Let's just let's see how this. We're just in the first steps of the yeah, NIL. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how. Let's see what transpires. Yeah. And just, they're pushing the panic button right now, and it's just like let. By the way, one other quick note. Yeah, here. yeah. Go ahead. We saw that with Drew Timmy. Yeah. Just announced he's coming back. Now, you know, Gonzaga said to Drew, (laughs) We'll make it worth your while, Drew. We'll make it worth your while. If anything, if you're a college sports fan, you know I'm a fanatic when it comes to college sports. Yeah. This is a good thing. You could actually keep guys in college an extra year or so if there's financial compensation. What the heck? College sure. basketball is going to benefit greatly Huge from this. Huge in college You're going to start to see the return of four-year players at universities. Want to why? Because there's only two rounds in the NBA draft. Some of these guys are going to take huge pay cuts if they go to the NBA. Meanwhile, if you play four years at Duke or UNC. And you're playing at a high level. How much money do you honestly think? Bryce Young is making this year is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. A he lot. was making a million dollars last year at this point. Yeah. How much? I mean, C.J. Stroud, what do you think he's going to make? When when Ryan Day say, well, it's going to take $13 million. I, I would imagine a lot's going to go to your quarterback because, seriously, Stroud and, and Bryce Young, 
could have entered the portal. Oh, no question. And just say, hey, anybody want a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback? Look, there's so much money that surrounds this game. Yes. We don't even understand it. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so trust me, these programs are going to be fine. The the alarms and the bells and the uh. whistles going off right now, they are, again, it's just a bunch of people who are worried that, am I going to steal? Like, because secretly everybody's going, am I still going to be able to get mine? If these athletes, well, it just, gonna, they is there going to so be enough easy. for me? They literally, when you're when you're Nick Saban at Alabama or Ryan Day at Ohio State or your Urban Meyer back in the day, it's easy. You get these five star recruits just falling in your lap. Now you're going to have to compete a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, and you got that transfer portal. So not only do you have to get them out of high school, you got to keep them happy. And nothing, they're not happy, they're leaving. Nothing beats the green. All right. So That's that the only thing that beats the crimson is the green. All right. Speaking of the green, the Boston Celtics are up game one of that NBA Finals. Steph Curry says, ah, we're good for game two. Do the Warriors need to do anything differently, however, to get back in the series? We'll break it down coming up next. My family. Steve Harbin and Rick. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Schornberger, Fox Sports Sunday, Game 2, NBA Finals tonight. Warriors try to get even against the Boston Celtics. And it, it was amazing. Call it arrogance, call it whatever. Confidence, I don't know. But the Warriors seem to just sort of write off Game 1 as like flukish. Like, you know, what? look at it. I mean, we dominated and we just had a really bad quarter. Well, Draymond, his comments were the most resounding, which was, are we worried? No, we're not worried. We played great basketball for 44 minutes and well, we said let the we, last four he, minutes go away. He said we dominated for 42 minutes. Well, how, how did you – what was it, a four-point game at halftime? Where was the domination? 
It's just amazing. Look, and, and don't get me is wrong. That is yeah. that arrogance? Yeah, yeah. Is that self-confidence? Is that to it's all saying, uh, we moved on and we're already, we're st- nothing has changed? Because I would be, I would be a little nervous right now. I, I don't, I don't think Steve Kerr's thinking the same thing. You got to look at that fourth quarter and say, okay, when you get outscored forty to sixteen on your home court, and Celtics are dominating on the defensive end and the offensive end, if we just think that that was a fluke, you have to though. If you're Steve Kerr, if you're Draymond Green, if you're any emotional barometer for this locker room or instigator for this locker room. You have to be able to keep the foot on the accelerator, not not you know tap the brakes and look in the rear view and look in the side view. You have to act as if you're still the lead dog, and and that's look. I mean, and and credit to them because of the success that all of these pieces have had together, fitting into this puzzle over the the years that the Warriors have had success. They they are experienced in these games and they have seen deficits that they've been able to overcome. So, I mean, it's it's not only valuable, but it's deserved that they should feel arrogant and cocky and self-confident. Because not for a second can you let this locker room, let these players in this locker room get a whiff of, you know, potentially, hey, you know, maybe we're... Maybe we're going to get outplayed here. No, you have to you have to play with that bravado. All right, so in game one, the two biggest stars in these teams are Steph Curry and Jason Tatum, right? No question. Okay. So your star, meaning Steph Curry, scored 34 points. Their star scored 12. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So your star outscored their star by 22 points, and yet they won by 12. Yeah, man. So yeah, man, I mean, I mean, I, I again, I think that if you're Golden State right now, here's the thing I really saw, and I know there's a lot made about just this rain of threes. I mean, again, the Celtics are not going to be shooting 51 percent threes in every game. You're not going to see Horford go six for eight, or uh, you know, Derek White go five for eight. That's unlikely to happen. But on the defensive end, it just seemed like the Celtics. We're so confident that they just, it started like the fourth quarter tipped off and we just were seeing this different Celtic team intensity at the defensive end and it seemed to catch the Warriors off guard. And remember, this is a Celtics team that had six different players get at least some votes for the all-defensive team. Well, defensively, they're a better team than the Warriors. I think we can say that with a, a certain level of confidence. But offensively, I think, is what was most rattling for the Warriors. And again... Some of it's skill. There's no question about it. You have to be a skillful player to score at that rate from beyond the arc. But some of it's luck. There's no questioning the fact that the Celtics got somewhat lucky. It's not every game that Al Horford is a perfect 6-for-6 six six beyond three-point land. It's Actually, not... he was 6-for-8 in the oh, game. Oh, excuse me, 6-for-8. But but uh, but seventy five percent making them drop though in the fourth quarter and like you said getting bench help from three, this is just a unique instance. Now, if it persists through the finals, then we're gonna have to change our tone. And I'm not saying this is all due to luck because again they played great defense in the fourth quarter too to suppress the Warriors' offensive onslaught that I'm sure they were hoping was going to turn on just like it did in the third quarter. It just never came. So. This is the story of this, or I think this is going to be the story of this finals. By the way. is going to be 
the halftime adjustments between the Warriors and the Celtics. In Game 1, the Celtics made better adjustments throughout the second half than the Warriors, and that's the reason why they got the win. All right, so we mentioned the Celtics shot 51% three-point shooting in the game, which is a ridiculous number, but the the Warriors were 42%, which is above their average. Here's the other stats that sort of got overlooked in this game. Um, The one stat that really stood out to me were the assist. Yeah, yeah. The Boston Celtics made 43 field goals in this game, 33 assists on 43 field goals. Jason Tatum had double digit assists. I he mean, had he 13 had 13 assists yep. in this game despite his 3 of 17 shooting. And by the way, that's always the sign. I'm always reminded about superstars, Game 7, 2010 NBA Finals, Lakers, Celtics. And Kobe couldn't throw a pee in the ocean. But you know what? He had 15 rebounds in that game. He had all the yep. other numbers. Superstar players, they understand there are other ways to contribute, even if your shot's not going down. So, again, is Jason Tatum going to go 3 of 17 again? No. Unlikely. Uh, is Steph going to score 20 points in the first quarter again? Maybe, but unlikely. So, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the Warriors – I just think they're in trouble. I, I thought this going into the series. I felt, when I looked at these two teams, I thought the Celtics were the better team. Well, it's amazing you say that because I think there's a lot of people who would have disagreed going into this saying— A lot of people. The Warriors are overwhelming favorites. Yeah, the war. that's what I'm saying. A lot of people would disagree thinking the Warriors are going to be the team that emerges here. And I, I frankly, look, that was—if you would have asked me before this finals, and nobody did, oddly enough, doing this a job, <laughs> nobody asked me, who do you think is going to win the finals? We asked plenty of people— my, if if I'm being honest, my leaning is the Warriors, and I would have said the Warriors in six. And to be perfectly honest, it could I still have. I still feel that way. Yeah. Look, I, I it's Steph Curry, it's Draymond Green, it's Clay Thompson. They've gotten tons out of Jordan Poole in this postseason. But they did in Game One. No, they did not. Wiggins has been a delight. This, especially, you forget how old he is in this league, how much basketball he's seen. This is a stacked Warriors team. Now, are they as dominant as Durant years? Probably not. But are they playing against a finals adversary as dominant as they had to face in the Durant years? Probably not. So I think this is a winnable finals for them. I will say this, though. The Celtics look like a problem. And if they play anywhere near the way they played in Game 2 as to the way they played in Game 1, the Warriors are in trouble. Because if you go into an 0-2 deficit with this series going to Boston, whoa. Yeah. Although Boston, again, against Miami, had a closeout game in Game 6 after blowing the heat out in Games 4 and 5. And then they sat there and watched Jimmy Butler go off for 47, and they were forced to win Game 7 in Miami, which, uh, by the way, they did. All right, let's find out what's trending right now. Let's turn it right back to the one and only. Ralph Irvin. There he is. Aloha, gentlemen. Ralph Irvin. That's me. Ralph Irvin. Ralphie, Ralphie, Ralphie. What are you doing later on? When's the last time you played a round of golf? When was the last time? Uh, Thursday. 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 Golf? Shot wow. six over. Sure. That's not bad. Especially when when I was five over on two holes. Wow. Any improved lives, Ralphie? Did you take out the no. hand wedge? No. Have you ever picked <laughs> up a putt from six feet saying that's a gimme? Uh, when it's given to me, sure. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You take those. Yeah, but you don't play with those type of play. I mean, you, you play some actual golf. Yeah. I mean, here here's my edge. And Rich and I were talking about this the other day. Look, if you're going to keep score, I mean, there's two ways to go about golf, right? You just want to have a good time with your friends, hack the ball around, maybe hit a couple of good shots. Why are you keeping score? I mean, if I'm going to keep score, 
it's got to be a true score. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't be like there were four mulligans here. and Well, especially it, if you're keeping a handicap. Well, well, that's a whole different thing. I mean, you, you've got to have a legitimate score. Well, but why, why, well. Even, why even keep score? <laughs> a lot of people don't. If, you, if, you're, if you're hitting balls out of bounds and then you're putting a score down and not counting that, that's no. Don't just throw away the scorecard. Well, if yeah. You, if I, all you're trying to do is have a good time, keep it that we, way. We know, we know a golfer yeah, we who golfs that way. Yeah, if he enters a score after hitting three out of bounds. No, no, no. That's not a score. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, but uh, I mean, but you, a purist like Ralph. Okay? Yes, 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 yeah, different deal. Yeah, sometimes I'm pure. I don't know. A cut above. Yeah. Uh, game three of the NHL's Eastern Conference Final: the Rangers with a two nothing lead in the series, but with ten and a half to play in the first period, New York and Tampa Bay are scoreless. The Rangers are on a power play right now. On the Major League Baseball scoreboard, a final in as the Yankees get a sacrifice fly from Josh Donaldson in the bottom of the tenth inning. In a 5-4 win over the Detroit Tigers, New York has now won six straight games. Pittsburgh gets a home run from Cal Mitchell. They have a 1-0 lead over Arizona. That's in the sixth inning. Cleveland's lead over Baltimore remains 3-2. Top of the seventh inning there. The Angels explode for a five-run fourth inning. They lead at Philadelphia 5-0 now in the fifth inning. Minnesota 5-2 over Toronto. They're in the sixth. The White Sox still leading at Tampa Bay 6-1 in the fifth inning. San Francisco gets a Donovan Watson grand slam. They have a 4-0 lead over Miami in the fifth. And Washington has taken a 4-3 lead over Cincinnati. That's in the sixth inning. Milwaukee still leading San Diego 1-0 in the fourth. But for now, we'll send it back. It's Steve Hartman. It's Rich Ornberger. And it is a Fox Sports Sunday, as Steve says he says. Yes, I do. I get a little – I was uh, kidding Mike Harmon about this. I said, you guys do Fox Sports Sunday. We do Fox Sports Sunday. <laughs> and I told Mike, I said, that's because you're a professional broadcaster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some I of their shows do a Fox Sports Sunday. Yes, Fox Sports Sunday. Oh, that. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, uh, thank you very much, Ralph. We'll check yes. in with you a little bit later on. I saw this little note here I wanted to ask you about, Rich. Sean McVay was asked whether he had any interest in sort of chasing down the all-time victories record, you know, the Shulas or the Belichicks of the world. At this age, he's well ahead of their pace, obviously, because he was the youngest coach in NFL history. He's already been to two Super Bowls. He won a Super Bowl, double-digit wins every year. Do the math. I mean, if he wants to and stay with it, and I would imagine he can stay the Rams coach as long as he ever wants. No reason to think the Rams are going to slow down win-wise. He could, he could get there, and he just looked at them like, no, I have no interest in that. Absolutely no interest. When we look at, I mean, among current coaches like a Belichick or an Andy Reid, these lifers yeah. that will just coach and coach and coach and coach and coach, are those days gone? I mean, I mean, no. and I don't say that on the college level because I think the college game's a little different than the professional level. But do you think there's still somebody out there in this day and age that if they get the opportunity, and I don't know, maybe Sean McVay will change his mind. He's newlywed and everything else, different time in his life. Uh, but could we see that? Where were there still people pursuing it 30 plus years as a professional coach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's a grind. And we will. Look, there, there is something menacing about a football schedule. And and I'm speaking from a player standpoint, and then we'll get to coaches. Like, it is no longer just a seasonal occupation. It is it is 365 days a year. If you want to keep the, the edge on your competition. And look, I'm now, what, six years, seven years removed from my NFL career. When I was in, 
if you were lagging, if you took anything longer than a couple of weeks off in the offseason to go on vacation or something like that, you were behind. You have to keep your training up. You have to keep your nutrition up. You're competing all year round with not only the opponents that you're going to face, but also the guys who are coming for your position as well. And so that's the reality of the athlete these days. For a coach, it's much the same. You know, you, you continue to break down film. You have all the access and opportunity to get better while nobody else is paying attention. And I'm talking about fans. Like, of course, everybody across the NFL is working hard to make sure that they're evaluating all of the fresh talent coming out of college football. If there's any extraneous NFL players that you could bring into your system and development appropriately, maybe they've been misused where they are. Maybe you could trade for them. Maybe they're going to get cut during training camp. You have an opportunity to scoop them up onto your roster. All of this stuff is happening away from the light of day, and it is a grind, as you put it. And if you are not 100% dedicated to it, you are going to get swallowed alive. Sean McVay has dedicated himself 100% to this grind. You could tell when he talks about football. He, there isn't a single stone he leaves unturned. And he came up in a grinder f- philosophy. John Gruden, his time with the Washington football team, now the commanders. You know, it's, it's been that, that upbringing for McVay. Now, can he sustain? Maybe, maybe not. But it, are you asking me if there are going to be coaches here that are coming up the Shanahan's, the LaFleur's, the, the uh, oh, what's the New York Jets head coach's name? But this new crop of younger head coaches, yeah, there's going to be some of these guys who are going to coach forever because you get addicted to this game. Dave there's o. no question. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't know. It's But there's so much money involved now. See, this, this is, this is, we are talking about this as far as players are concerned, right? Uh, Aaron Donald. You yeah. mentioned that Aaron Donald's like, you know what? If I don't get the contract I want, I'm good. Yeah. I've done it all. I mean, he's he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, three-time defensive player of the year. He won the Super Bowl. He's done it all. I can walk away. He's made a ton of money. He's got enough money moving forward. But that's... Oh, I mean, Robert that, that, Sala is the name I was reaching for. But yeah, like, uh, look, they're these, well, and, I mean, and by the way, they're getting bigger salaries than the Shulas did. Well, exactly yeah, my point. Like, so if you're Sean McVay right now, because he's also making endorsement money. Oh, yeah. The guy's 36 years old. You know, he's got a life. He's got his beautiful wife now and everything else. And he's like, you know, if I could coast into a, an but, announcer's but, but. job for, you know. Uh, he, he has an identity, and his identity is head football coach. I'm telling but you, but right his now. mentor John Gruden did this, right? Uh, no, now, and, he was fired by Tampa. Let's yeah, be honest, he was fired by Tampa, and he made a great transition into broadcasting and back into head coaching. Not as good of a transition because of the emails and stuff. We know how that all worked out. And, and by the way, still waiting for another big payday from the NFL. Oh yeah, the suit mm-hmm. is going to continue. Here's the deal, though. Here's the deal, though, with coaches. Your identity is head football coach once you reach this level. And again, you want to talk about active addiction. Go to any head football coach and talk to him about what they do on a day-to-day basis. There's not much room for anything else. And so you have to be addicted to this. You have to be in love with this. You have to be passionate about this if you're going to have success, if you're going to have success at the highest level, which the NFL still is. Now, the second you take your foot off the accelerator, you'll get found out. And also, the second you walk away 
the warm glow that you basked in with all that success as a head football coach, that goes away too. Unless you successfully transition into broadcasting or some other, where maybe you could, maybe you could recreate some of that, but you're not going to get that fix. That's the thing. And it's something that all athletes have to deal with. All coaches, I imagine, too. I've never coached, but they have to deal with on the other side of their career. I remember when I hung it up for good. It, you get itchy certain times of the year. You know, the, the months that are leading into training camp, I remember literally it felt like my brain was itchy, like it was desiring contact. Like I've spent 16 years slamming my head into people and there's something now, like this is time. It's time to get, you know, the the war in you wakes up. You want to get out there and be physical again and you can't, there's no outlet for it. And I imagine coaches go through that same, whatever you want to call it, pangs, from a career that you once lived when you're on the other side of it. I don't know. I mean, look. It's always curious to me about coaches that step away young. Uh, I'll give I don't you, know. I'll give you a college football coach. was Eric Parsegian, the legendary Notre Dame coach. He he retired from coaching about age 49, 50, and went into broadcasting. Yeah. And you think, well, this guy's going to come back. And he never did. Yeah. Then you had Dick Vermeil who retired. He was out for 14 years. And he came back. And he came back. Hey, look, John it, Gruden came it, back. It happened. I mean, I, I could see this with Sean McVay where he leaves maybe after 10 years. I mean, John Madden. John Madden coached 10 years. He was 42 years old when he left the Raiders. 42. He never coached again. Now, of course, his broadcast career skyrocketed into the stratosphere but he, and but believe me, there were plenty of people that would have loved to have had John Madden as their coach. And there's examples of athletes who had success on the other side of retirement, too. George Foreman comes to mind. I yes. remember when he Nine made his Nine-year layoff. Nine-year layoff came back. He was back. in his 40s. And I remember he, well, he would— Well, he wasn't quite that. He, well, close. He, he would go to this corner— in his late 30s when he came back. And he would stand up and he would put his hands on the ropes. <laughs> he wouldn't even get on the on the chair anymore in the corner no, of the no. stool. He would just stand there with his hands on the rope. His, his cornerman would be just throwing water at him and hit him with the sponge. He won the heavyweight champion. I was belt. I was sitting, I was at this place called the Draft Choice Sports Grill, sitting next to of all people, Ken Norton. Oh wow. I was sitting next to Ken Norton watching that Michael Moore fight with George Foreman. We had a that big was a viewing great party. Fight. That was a fun and fight. And it didn't seem like much was happening out there. And Ken Norton is sitting there and he goes, if Michael Moore keeps standing in front of him, he's gonna get knocked out. And I mean literally within seconds, boom. Yeah. He went down. Because he could still throw. He's like, he's like, why is he standing right in front of George Foreman? Is he insane? And that's never been the right philosophy with him. You that needed never, to tire the big fella run, out. You need to run around. You need to rope You don't rope want to get him. hit by that guy. That was sort of the key <laughs> out there. All right, continuing on the other side. Um, hey, there's a, I got one more NFL question for you on the other side pertaining a current NFL quarterback coming up next. <laughs> There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. <laughs> Ralphie's so disappointed with me. Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger, Fox Sports Sunday. I'm going to steal something from our buddies over there at Pro Football Talk and our friend Mike Florio. So he brought up a really interesting thing, and I I want to ask you this. So remember when Deshaun Watson was acquired by the Browns from the Texans, he still had four years left on his contract. Yes. They tore that contract up and gave him a brand-new $230 million deal. Yes. When Russell Wilson was acquired by the Broncos from the Seahawks, he had two years remaining on his contract, and he still does. Get this. Derek Carr is going to be paid $40 million now, $40 million a year. You know what You know what Russell Wilson's making this year? What? $24 million. And he has another year on his contract for $27 million. Now, at the time, remember, Russell Wilson briefly was the highest-paid quarterback. Now you're looking at there's five quarterbacks now making at least $40 million. Russell Wilson's making $24. So the question Florio brought up, and I would uh, ask you as well, if you're the Broncos right now, you're going to stick to that contract? Because think about this. If he has success, if the Broncos have some breakout year, and he's staring at $27 million in 2023, and he says, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I, I, you're going to have to give me a significantly more money, and you have a lot of leverage, that's for sure. Could you actually save yourself some money now by redoing his deal now here's your choice yeah you're either going to have russell wilson for the next three years you know if you sign him to a a four-year extension you know including these next two seasons right or you're gonna have him for one season because let's face it russell wilson we thought was going to be a name that was synonymous with these seahawks teams for the entirety of his career that's just sort of where we were when he first started his career with the Seahawks there wasn't really a lot of quarterback exchange no especially if you have early success like he did with the Seahawks well, he's when, had an elite career yeah Super Bowl win Super yeah. Bowl visit look this is this is atypical but in today's NFL it's becoming more typical and these players are using their leverage a lot more 
i.e. Aaron Rodgers earning multiple contracts now by threatening retirement or um, potential trade. And by the way, that's an Aaron Rodgers who hasn't been to a Super Bowl since the 2010 season. Ben Roethlisberger. Right. uh, Same thing, threatened retirement several times, got new contracts out of it. You know, you have a situation with Russell Wilson where he's unafraid to – to to make his demands known now publicly. Yeah, I mean, he, this is guy, he went through the whole process, scrubbing his social media, talking about how he wants a bigger role in the organization, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, this, this is what it comes down to. Elway and the Broncos need to make the decision this offseason or early in the regular season that Russell Wilson is going to be their quarterback for the next bunch of years or just for one year? Because if if they don't make a commitment to Russell Wilson and he balls out, there's no way he's staying in Denver unless they back up the Brinks truck. Well, exactly the point. So, again, if you're Denver right now and you acquired Russell Wilson with the idea that he's going to be your quarterback for a while, then you better hope he doesn't have a good 2022 <laughs> Because if he does have a breakout year and he is the difference between them not making the playoffs and suddenly going deep into the playoffs, there's no way he's going to play for $27 million with one year remaining on his contract. Yeah. No chance. And also, he may not want to play for a team who didn't value his 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 past mm-hmm. and we're waiting and seeing, you know? So look, all right, that's part of the question too. All right. So wait and see. I, and I think that's the right approach for the Broncos out there. We're going to talk some MLB coming up next. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, coming up, uh, John Paul Morosi is going to be joining us, our Fox Sports MLB insider. He'll have plenty to say about the uh, NHL playoffs as well. Uh, right now, Rangers and Lightning, no score after the first period. Rangers lead that series two games to none. And, of course, the Avalanche are just one game away from earning their slot in the Stanley Cup final. Um, a lot of things going on. The, I, one thing I, we have not gotten to today, and I – I, again, I sort of hesitate at times to talk a little golf, but this live thing, it, it's its taken on new life now. Kevin Na, yeah. who is the 33rd ranked player in the world, he's a five-time winner on the PGA Tour, and, and still obviously very competitive on the PGA Tour, top 25 finishes in both the Masters and the PGA Championships this year. He resigned from the PGA Tour. Oh, yeah. Now, he I mean... He gave up his PGA Tour card. He handed it back to them. Now, this is a guy that's made over $20 million on the PGA Tour. And he handed him back his membership card. Yeah, he just played in the, what was it? The uh, Charles Schwab. Right. So He was tied for seven. So (laughs) this is a guy, and he's had a good season this year. Yeah, yeah. But in order to avoid any kind of disciplinary action or whatever, because he is ready to go and play in London here, he turned in his membership to the PGA Tour. He's 33rd in the world right now. So you're, you're talking about a guy who's made over $20 million on the tour. You know, he's been a consistent moneymaker over these many years, and he has resigned. 38 years old. Resigned from the tour. Yep. Now, you're you're thinking this is crazy. It wasn't like, 
it's not like a, a Sergio Garcia or Lee Westwood or some of these other guys, Ian Poulter, who are all well into their 40s and are no longer truly competitive week in and week out in the PGA Tour. He has been competitive all season long, Kevin Na. He's having a pretty good year. Yeah. And yet he is walking away from the PGA Tour. And he, and he basically explained this. One, he feels like he wants to be a free agent and to be free to play wherever he wants. And we know he's going to be getting some guaranteed money, uh, which is obviously something they don't have on the PGA Tour. But he also says, I hope there's a day when I can play on the PGA Tour again. Mm. So let, let's, let's talk about the bigger picture here. So what's the difference, right? The PGA Tour, it's very simple formula. If you want to get paid, you got to earn it. Yep. And it's the only sport... Really? Now, it's not like there haven't been appearance fees because years ago, Tiger was getting appearance fees to go to Europe and not only winning, <laughs> getting the appearance fee, but then he would cash in the first place check. Um, but the idea of this guaranteed money up front, I can imagine is quite appealing if oh, you've been yeah. grinding it for years on the PGA Tour, where when you start a tournament, if you don't make the cut, and remember, half the field doesn't make the cut in these PGA tournaments. Half the field doesn't make the cut. By the way, he is guaranteed, right. guaranteed at least $120,000 just for showing up to $120, this tournament. $120,000? $120,000. For this one specific tournament. I'm talking about the last place finisher for this one specific tournament. Right. Is, is guaranteed to Are make $120,000. No there are no cuts. No cuts. Okay, so there's no cuts. So say, just, I mean, let's, I'm just, I guess yeah, you do the put, math in your head. Put all the numbers together. All right, so do the math, okay? So if you know that in every PGA tournament, half the field will walk away with zero. Yep. And now you're going to be entered into a much smaller field of golfers where last place is going to make $120,000. So... So the PDA tour is really trying to make this appeal that, well, if you do this, especially considering who's financing this golf tour, that you're putting your legacy in jeopardy, that right. you are jeopardizing your, your reputation, and everything else. So again, let's, let's put ourselves in the same shoes, right? Let's, let's imagine our, this fantasy that somehow we're a world-class golfer and you have these two choices in front of you. I'll start with you because I, I, it's tough. But well, I mean, here's, where, where here's the are, way, are you? Are you defending Kevin Nas? He making a mistake? Here's the way. How I'll do you look it. at this? This is the way I'll answer it. Everybody has the moral line they draw, right? Right. Um, everybody uses a cell phone. Everybody uses a cell phone. Are you a hundred percent certain that your cell phone doesn't involve labor practices that you would be uncomfortable with? Mm -hmm. Are you sure that the rare earth minerals that build your cell phone aren't coming from mines where they're exploiting people to mm -hmm. get those rare earth minerals? I mean, clothing, manufacturers, I mean, it, look, sh sneaker companies. Like, there, there are a lot of abuses to human beings that because they're far away and they're only heard of here in the United States, we we accept as just part of the price of doing business. And so, yeah, there are a lot of people who get used, by the way, their cell phone to complain about some of the human abuses uh, uh, that, that help uh, escalate the amount of money the funders of this league have made. Meanwhile... They're drawing their moral line too. Look, that's that's the that's the point. Is Kevin Na may have a different comfort level 
from a moral standpoint than you. But the one thing you cannot deny is the fact that Kevin Na will be a wealthier man playing in one tour rather than the other. And money talks. It always has. It always will. And that's the reason why this has become such a difficult decision for golfers like DJ, who have earned reputation and legacy on the PGA Tour, but there's a lot of money to be made on this live tour, even if it is backed by Saudi Arabia. Kevin Na looks at the opportunity and consider, considers it so alluring that he is willing to resign from the PGA and by altogether the way, and go. he immediately lost sponsorship? Of course he did. Because those did. sponsors are tied to the PGA Tour. So you leave the PGA Tour, we leave as well. Look, I, I agree with you this, and, and the thing about sports and money in general. So the majority of us operate in our lives without our neighbors knowing how much money we make. I mean, our our salaries are not publicized, but in the world of athletes, by the way, it's interesting, isn't it, that when we, let's just use the NFL as an example. We know exactly how much each NFL player is making because you have a cap and we work in all the numbers, everything else. From the day you enter your league to the day you leave, we know exactly how much money you make. Exactly. We know the buyouts and yeah, yeah, all you know, cap yeah, yeah, hits yeah. and everything else. Yep, yep, yep. But we we don't know what any NFL head coach is making. No, we, not we guess. Yeah, yeah. We guess. And I agents mean, sometimes when you, when you, spill you see, the beans. Yeah, when you yeah, yeah. see these numbers like, you know, Belichick's making twelve million or whatever. These are we don't know for sure these no. numbers. There's no actual publication of these numbers. So it makes athletes an easy target. When we talk about, well, they're being selfish or they're, you know, you, you should be happy with what you're making and everything else. And all I can say is put yourself in their shoes. I know it seems impossible to imagine a world in which you could be making tens of millions of dollars for the average individual. But aren't we all striving in an effort to provide for our families or secure the future for our families? It's just... The world we live in. And by the it's way, a, it's a it's a monetary world, and so everybody strives. And you say, "Well, yeah, but I wouldn't cross that line." By the way, be, be, like, let, be, if you're the PGA, build a better mousetrap, right? Don't, well, that's what my my follow up is. Do you think? Because Kevin is saying, "I hope that there will come a time when I can come back to the PGA listen, Tour." Do you think they will make adjustments? They, of course they will. And they have to. Otherwise, yeah. they won't survive. Especially if right. Live Golf continues to steal players from the PGA yeah. and starts having success. Starts getting network deals. Starts becoming the place people go to go to watch golf. Here's the thing I'll say. is There was once a time where the guy who sold buggy whips... Uh, <laughs> was saying th these automobiles, they're just novelty items. They'll never catch on. Only they're, the rich will ever have them until Henry Ford showed up. They're prohibitively expensive. We're going to be selling buggy whips until the cows come home. Yeah, yeah. And then one day, you're absolutely right. Henry it was all Ford, about the elite, and all of a sudden he had the mass production. He was able to mechanize the conveyor belt. You know, I mean, and look, there were, trust me, there are exploitations back then. Read read about how unions were formed. You'll understand about that as well. The government got involved on that one. Yeah, those the monopolies of those days. I but but when you when you look at what happened, there was a better 
product. Yeah. There was a better, more efficient product. You didn't have to worry about a horse getting sick. You didn't have to worry about horseshoes. You didn't have to worry about horses pooping all over the road anymore. Now you have other environmental issues. You have Mm -hmm. to get new tires and things like that with cars, but they were more reliable. (laughs) It's just build a better mousetrap and people will all of a sudden say, oh geez, well that catches more mice. I'm going to use that one. So the PGA has to look at itself. Are you going to stick with the buggy whips? Are you going to stick with the mousetrap of yesteryear? Or are you going to build a better one and stop complaining? It's about investment. It's about investment. These players for years were considered independent contractors who were choosing to play on the PGA Tour because it was the best in the world. Well, now all of a sudden a competitor has emerged. So what do you do? Do well, Kevin Nas resigned from the PGA. Dustin Johnson hasn't resigned from the PGA, but he's made it clear he's going to be playing coming up. And by the way, the Canadian Open is the one opposite this London uh, kickoff inaugural term for the Live Tour. So I, I agree, the uh, PGA is not happy about it, but they could be extinct unless they play the game. And the same with the European Tour and these other tours. Uh, this is a new level of golf, and these golfers, brave golfers. I mean, Kevin Nas. I mean, he really stepped in it. I mean, he, you talk about who was going to be the first, you know, relative golfer to step out. Kevin Nall is the guy. He did it. He resigned from the PGA. All right. On the other side, we're going to catch up with our dear friend, John Paul Morosi, all the latest Major League Baseball news and his thoughts on the upcoming Stanley Cup final as well. Coming up next. Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and it is once again an honor, a pleasure to introduce a man that wears many hats, MLB Network, Fox Sports Radio, MLB Insider, NHL Network. It's all one man, John Paul Morosi. JP, how are you today? Outstanding, my friends. What a great time of year in both those sports that I love. Baseball, hockey, even international soccer happening right now. A, a big draw yesterday between Italy and Germany. So keeping an eye on that. Of course, the U.S. is back in action today. Really impressed by their work uh, for the men's national team against Morocco last week. So uh, World Cup should be great. And in the meantime, Stanley Cup finals are great. And yes, uh, the NL West race is also great. And by the way, my friend, by the way, I get a chance to get an up close look at the San Diego Padres this week. Hmm. Yes, the MLB Network broadcast on Wednesday is going to be Padres and Mets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. JP, JP, are you going to stop by to see us? Come on now. If you're in San Diego, now you have to get up early because, you know, Rich and I do an early show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to work on figuring out where, and I will off-air, offline, I will find out where exactly I it's kind of a day-to-day kind of a guy, especially this time of year. Uh, so I, once I kind of get my my mind around where I'm staying, where you guys are, we will make it happen. I have not been to San Diego since the winter meetings of 2019. Wow. It's my first time there in a while. And listen, the Padres, they're a national story. They are a national story. All right, well, let me Chicago. start right there. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me yep. start right here. Okay, let's start with this Padre team. All right, so if you were to say the Padres have one of the best right-left combos in baseball, you say, oh, yeah, Darvish and Snell. And I say, no, 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 Musgrove and Gore, Mackenzie Gore. What a story. I mean, Musgrove, obviously, has been lights out. Right now, to me, he's the leading candidate for the Cy Young Award. He has more quality starts than any other pitcher in baseball right now. 
But the Mackenzie Gore story with the San Diego Padres hailed as the phenom in all the minor league ranks from a pitching standpoint falls off the cliff. Last year, his yeah. his minor league starts were so bad they put him into hiding, like he was in the witness protection program. And suddenly he reemerges in spring training, and right now it looks like he's running away with rookie of the year. What's happened here? Yeah, no, I I think that's that's a very good synopsis of where it's gone for Gore. And I first of all credit him, and I also credit the organization because to your point, uh, he was not in a good place last year. Uh, the performance was not at all where it needed to be. I remember we were talking at the deadline uh, about if he even had prospect value still to trade. It was down that bad. And I credit A.J. Fuller and his staff. Of course, there's been a change in managers since. I think Bob Melvin is part of this story. He's never going to take credit for it. But Bob is so good at setting the right tone. He's so professional. And I think he understands how to get the most out of his group in any circumstance, and I think especially for young players, look back at all those Oakland teams that made the playoffs, that had success. Uh, they almost always had young pitchers. And even, in some cases, young guys who had struggled elsewhere and then found their way. I think Bob Nelson found a way to kind of reset things for Mackenzie Gore. So I give Bob a ton of credit, but certainly I, I start by saying Mackenzie deserves the most credit of all because of what he's done to make himself into a, an all-star level pitcher. I mean, that, that to me is the thing. He is now going to be, I think, potentially a, an all-star. He, he might well be at Dodger Stadium for the all-star team. He's been, he's been that good. And I think that from that standpoint, you really have a, a lot of praise to go around right now for the San Diego Padres. You know, I look at this rivalry out of the NL West, and for obvious reasons, the Dodgers are going to get much more national acclaim. But like you mentioned, the Padres have been and have become a national story for the amount of salary they've added and also the exceptional play for Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. when healthy. But but I definitely feel like there's still a major aspect missing from this story. There is a quiet arrogance about the Dodgers, the organization, their fans, when they look at, say, the, the little stepbrother down in San Diego, the Padres, right? You know, and, and you look at the statistics, and they don't lie. I mean, the run differential is the best in Major League Baseball right now. The Dodgers are a very good franchise. But could you see ever that flipping? Could you see a, a quote-unquote small market team like San Diego – ever becoming the king of the NL West? Or is that an impossibility in, in Major League Baseball and its current structure? You know, it's a great question. I, I think it's, it's possible, but it's going to take a long time. I mean, first of all, you have – there are the two different uh, – there's two different tracks here. There's one that is the reputation, national brand, and the other is the competitive reality. I would take, for example, if you look at – uh, the New York Yankees, even in the last, since 2009, you would say, "Well, the Rays have made the World Series since then. The Rays have been a consistent presence in the in the postseason. Uh, the Red Sox have been up and down a little bit. Uh, the Yankees haven't been to the World Series as recently as the Rays have been. But no one would ever say that the Rays have surpassed the Red Sox and Yankees in baseball history. You can take the present. The present is certainly up there for grabs. But you take." Basketball, for example, I, I would still say uh, maybe the, the apt comparison is a little bit to the north. How many championships, if ever, would the Golden State Warriors have to win for, for anybody to say that they have a, a greater and more permanent place in the history of basketball than the Lakers or the Celtics? 
And it's probably in some way not possible just based on history and, and, and the brand name. You know, no, no matter how many uh, sort of college football playoff bursts uh, a Cincinnati or, or a Louisville could make, whatever it might be, they're never going to quite be able to surpass the brand recognition of Ohio State. It's the same thing here. I, I think it's, you're talking about brand versus reality of current performance. And I think the latter is there. I mean, the, the Padres can, can I, I think, usurp the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers, in addition to having all the resources of a huge market team, they also have Clayton Kershaw at some point in time coming back, and they also have Dustin May coming back. I mean, they've got tremendous resources. They've developed players very well. They've made really good moves of players like Freddie Freeman and, and certainly Mookie Betts and Trey Turner. When they've brought in people from the outside, they've been – already sort of Dodger-like players. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're a machine. But remember, the Padres expect to get Tatis back at some point. And if you were to tell a Padre fan right now, that if you had had a conversation at the beginning of spring training that would say Tatis would not play a single game until the middle of the year, but the Padres are going to make the playoffs, I think that Padre fan would have said, yep, sounds great, and not worried about if they're going to win the division or not. And guess what? If the, if the season ended today – the Padres are a playoff team. You know, it's been an interesting year from an offensive standpoint in Major League Baseball because overall the numbers are down. I mean, there's no question about that. And yet certain individual players, and we talk about a Manny Machado in San Diego, but I'm turning my attention to Aaron Judge with the Yankees now. Um, you know, he had that incredible rookie year, obviously, dominant rookie year, and you're thinking, wow, this guy is going to be dismantling uh, baseball for years to come, and then he had injuries, and then last year he had a pretty good year, the numbers were back up, but not where he had been as a rookie, and now we're looking at historic numbers that he's putting up. The guy is absolutely on fire. What what, what happened here? How did, how did we suddenly look back and, wow, you remember this guy when he was a superstar? He's back with a vengeance, Aaron Judge in 2022. Oh. Uh. He really is. I, I think he's been the best player in baseball this year. I, I really feel that way. And, and I think for me, you look at the way he's played, uh, and, and it was interesting. I had a conversation with Tyler Wade, his former teammate with the Yankees, who's now with the Angels. I, I had a Yankees-Angels game this past week, and Tyler just sort of smiled and raised his eyebrows and said, he's, he's locked in right now. He really is. I, I do think, does he have a chip on his shoulder in terms of proving the contract and all, all those negotiations? Maybe. But I think he's a, he's a motivated player, healthy, at the top of his game. And, and it was interesting. Tyler said to me, it was funny that we made this basketball comparison earlier, because he said that Judge is, is the rare baseball player who can take over a game in the same way that, that a basketball player can. Because you, don't, you almost never talk about that in baseball because they only bat four or five times a game. But defensively, he, he, robbed, he robbed a home run by Shohei Otani center field last week and Tyler Wade told me that Judge is the only guy who could have made that catch when you combine his speed and his jumping ability and his height I mean he as Tyler said he made that huge wall center field at Yankee Stadium look pretty small because of just how his physicality and his incredible talent and it also is smart I mean he's an incredibly smart intuitive baseball player and I love watching him play and right now I think he's the best thing going yeah, I, out of curiosity, because I remember when Judge hit the scene, it was such a big story. He was young, he was hitting home runs at a massive rate, and people were really excited about that. And then the excitement waned, and I think it's because maybe it became too easy to hit home runs. You know, maybe there was this idea that, geez, you know, this is becoming somewhat of a diluted statistic because 
of how often we're seeing that happen. And then last year we had pitchers just throwing straight gas with huge movement. And then the spider tack, uh, uh, you know, conversation started and foreign substance checks took place. And now we have dead ball. Yeah, are, are, are we going to find just the perfect, I don't know, level of scrutiny for the players and whatever they're using to enhance their performance and implement of play like the ball? Like, do you, do you see that in the the recent or or the the near future because I, I'm at some point you kind of have to I don't know maybe you don't have to t- t- stop tinkering with the game maybe you continue to but it just sort of feels like fans are getting to the end of their rope with this conversation is there going to be a conclusion met or do you think baseball will forever tinker with these things I think it's a fair question the, the game over time has had a lot of the back and forth when you consider the mound's been a different height. Uh, that has changed. Uh, the ball has changed over time. Uh, I think that's also a reality of, of the game going through different eras. We had the steroid era, which was artificial for, for obvious reasons, too, um, sort of outside of the, the normal boundaries of the game. I, I think that we're getting a little bit closer to an understanding of, of what pitchers need and how it can be done legally. Um, whether it's a, a different ball, whether it's a universal gripping agent, I, I, I think that we will have something that addresses the players' concerns in the next couple years, and that makes the game a little fairer. Um, I also think that that the game in general, one of the big changes that that's happened this year is has been pitch comp. We have fewer and fewer in inning um, conferences and issues where where they're having to recycle signs. The game has a much better flow, and I've noticed that just in the games that I've done this year for MLB Network. I feel like we're, I feel like we're in a better place. I, I really do. I, whether or not the, the length of game is what people want it to be, I can just speak from having been in a lot of different ballparks this year and say that that the pace of it has been much better. Um, there are still complaints. I hear players complaining basically every time I do a game about the inconsistency of the baseballs. So, I mean, that's a real thing. I hear about it every time I'm at a stadium. But I, I think that everybody's getting used to it. They're adjusting. Um, you know, we can't wave a magic wand and everything will be perfect right now. So I think it's, it's up to everybody, whether it's a player, fan, manager, coach. You know, we just have to adjust. And I think everybody right now is in the process of doing that. All right. Can't let you leave without a little thought on the uh, playoffs right now. With the sure. Rangers are up one nothing. Actually, they just scored again. 2 nothing Rangers already have two games to none against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Let me ask you this, and this is all due respect to the Avalanche. On the other side, they <laughs> seem to be on their way to the Stanley Cup final. But how big of a story would it be for the Rangers to win just their second Stanley Cup championship since 1940? It'd be huge. And, and obviously, it, it's, a, it's a new era for the league in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, in this country, new, new broadcast partners, I think uh, both ESPN and TNT have, have put their own energy and style into presenting the game. I feel like we're getting to a place where more NHL players are uh, are becoming American sports stars and celebrities uh, where they're household names, which is good, which is great, actually, for the game. So I, I think that, that you can do that and you can market uh, individual players, and yet there's something to be said, especially for the original six franchises, the iconic brands. We just talked about brands earlier. I mean, the Rangers, the original six, uh, there's, there's something about that history. And I think 
no matter who you are as, as an American sports fan, we all remember that 94 team and, and, and what Messier did and the guarantees and winning and Game 7 and Game 7 against the Devils the previous round. These are, these are moments that become cultural touchstones. And I think that we, as, as American sports fans, obviously I'm a little biased because I'm a hockey person too and live in Michigan, but uh, to me it's, it's when an original six team is in the cup final, it adds a little different dynamic and flavor to it. It just does, just for, for obvious reasons for me. So I think that the Rangers being good, he's got a great goalie, good personality, he's got some good young talent. Uh, with obviously the kid line that they've got, and Philip Heedle's been such a great revelation for them in these playoffs. So uh, I'm kind of an original six guy because of how I was raised in the game. And so uh, when you see an original six team in the Stanley Cup final, guys, it just it does hit a little bit differently. And they're obviously more than halfway there right now. All right, JP, when you come to San Diego, you cannot leave without seeing us. <laughs> you understand I gotta, that. So now, now I, I've, I've now mentioned it, so now i got to sort of, Make it happen, and and let me know. We're gonna we're gonna talk offline. Not sure if you guys are gonna be at the ballpark at all, or how close you guys are to the ballpark. But we're gonna do our best to make this happen. Okay. Sounds good. Good good stuff as always. Always appreciate it, JP. All the best, guys. Have, have a great start to the week. Thanks so much, John Paul Morosi. It almost seems like we have to be at the game on Wednesday, right? I think we do. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it needs. And to that, happen. that's gonna make it quite easy for us. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have we go to, to the ballpark. We're gonna have to make our way down there. It's an evening game. You know, it's actually very good because they have the chili in the press box now. All right, we, uh, should, we should make sure we we all escort him to the chili. Speaking of uh, oh. chili connoisseurs, let's wow. find out what's trending right now. None greater than uh, Ralph Irvin. You just yeah. piqued my interest there. Yeah. By the way, they look at. I, I mean, we understand your fascination with Tommy's chili, and I'm with you. And Rich shared that experience oh, as well. I'm passionate about but, it myself. But I will say this about Petco Park, which, by the way, has great food overall for the fans as well. But in the press box. I don't think you would be disappointed in this chili. And again, you know, a certain level of thickness where you spread it on a hot dog. I think you'd quite like it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good, Ralph. Not the best. It holds but it's, up. It's pretty good. Yeah. It well, you, I'll let you guys put in the word with the uh, Padres folks, and I'll join you down there. Yeah, you know, there when you, you have, have a nice steam, you know, steam bun, right, and then the the rotisserie and the dogs, and then just that <laughs> nice spread of chili. That's what my high school nickname oh, was, man. Steam Bun Zornberger. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get to the baseball, you guys mentioned it. Shot by Zabanajad off the glove of Vasilevsky. Panarin. Good on that one, Jimmy! Mika Zabanajad! <laughs> it's a power play goal! Rangers lead one to nothing. That was the Rangers Radio Network. New York would make it two nothing. Tampa Bay has just made it two one. Nine ten to play in the second period. The Rangers do lead that series two games to none. Just had two games go final. Cleveland a three two winner over Baltimore and Pittsburgh shutting out Arizona three nothing. Right now they are in the ninth inning. Minnesota an eight three lead at Toronto in the eighth. The Angels still holding on to a five two advantage over the Phillies. The White Sox playing at Tampa Bay. Chicago jumped out to a 6-0 lead. Tampa Bay at a four-run six. That's 6-5 with the White Sox batting in the top of the eighth inning. San Francisco a 5-1 advantage at Miami. They're in the ninth inning. Washington and Cincinnati is still 5-4 Nationals. They're in the eighth, and those aforementioned Padres, a 3-1 lead over Milwaukee. That is in the eighth inning as well. So plenty going on. On this Sunday, uh, send it back. It's Steve Hartman and Rich Hornberger. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, 
Ralph, appreciate that. There's a lot of excitement in the building today. So we came into our building today uh, with a little level of uncertainty. Yeah, we didn't um, know what was going to happen. Because actually when I walked in first thing uh, before our show today, Rich, I mean, it was like dark everywhere. I mean, there was no light. Um, they're, they're doing construction in the building. Outside there's trucks and everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is like a major power transformer right. situation. Yeah. And so our boss, one of our esteemed bosses, in an effort to sort of ease the tension of trying to, you know, manipulate a show through all of this, um, reached out into his pocket and apparently came up with the credit card that, you know, the company has. Yeah, go on. To treat us to some food, uh, which was ordered like four hours ago. Are you telling me it's here? Two and a half hours ago. Um, apparently it has just arrived. I got to go. So on the other side, we're going to make <laughs> our final fearless predictions on tonight's NBA Finals Game 2. But right now, we got to eat. We'll be back coming up next. Meep, meep. Steve Hartman and Rich Armberger here, Fox Sports Sunday, and I feel like a little more giddy up there. Look at Ryan. He's got his back turned. I have no idea. How many uh, chicken? Uh, We're not going to see his face has, again. The uh, rest oh God, of the these are good. Sam is uh, restraining himself. Are you waiting, Sam? Have you already eaten them all? What's the deal? Job first. Job first. Wingies later. Okay, now same. Uh, same. I saw Rich. <laughs> Job and wingies at the same time. I mean, Rich has. Wait, what are you talking about? At least twenty-five of these. I mean, who's counting? And he's 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 eaten close to half of them already. Who counts? I told Rich he needs to put a couple in his pocket for the drive home. Yeah. Just get all gooey down there. I wish I had a couple of cargo pockets. Yeah. I wish those are still By in the way, style. it came with a ranch dress. Ranch is a uh, is not a consistent I completely taste. agree with this. I mean, ranch dressing can vary. Like, sometimes you're like, this doesn't taste that good. Good. There are certain restaurants who really screw it up. There's other ones where they get it right. And yeah. But when it, when ranch dressing is right, which this is, yeah, that's tasty, creamy. Yeah. I don't know. It's ranch dressing is wildly inconsistent. Yeah, I, I think I, I like the ranch that they like. They make. Yeah. From scratch, always tastes the best. Well, and I'm glad that we're talking about it because I think this is an under-discussed topic in this country. Yes. And, and I yes. do think You're it right. needs- Am I right? No, you're 100% right. Wildly inconsistent. It's one of those, it's one of those um, also, what would you call it? Uh, some sort of uh, concoction. A, condiment? A condiment? Yeah, condiment. That's the yeah. word I was well, looking Well, it is a condiment yeah. because it's weird because- it's when not you a salad dress- dressing. Ex- well, it can be. Though. I know it's sure it is. Of course, I'm, it's a salad dressing. But, I mean, yeah. but it's advertised it as a salad more? dressing, but it's used more as a condiment. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you put ranch on burgers the same way you would ketchup. But we or associate hot it with wings, mustard. any kind of wings, right? And we're having boneless wings. But I mean, again, how many times have you ordered wings and you got the obligatory celery sticks and the carrot sticks and everything else? And you dip the wing into the into the ranch. And I'm going like, to tell you a dirty secret. You're not going to like it. What? Okay, so check this out. Yeah. Knew somebody uh, years ago. Yeah. Dated someone briefly mm-hmm. who uh, waitressed at a restaurant. Yes. And I come to find out that when they were, you know, struggling to keep the, the ranch um, quantities afloat because they didn't have a new order come in, you know what they would do? They'd water down the ranch. No way. So very similar to like, you know, you hear stories about like, hey, we're running low on vodka, fill it back up with water, you know, the, a clear spirit. 
You know, and all that's illegal, right? Well, there's no rules around ranch. You could make it as thin as you want. So occasionally you go into a restaurant. Yes. And I've had have, the thin, thin watery ranch. ranch. We need ranch regulation. Why. No, I've, I've seen we that many times, especially Thank when you. it comes with wings. It's like watery. Yeah. Can't this, do it. This, whatever. Yeah, I mean, on, it's thick creamy. like a porridge. Watch this creamy. dip. Watch it's like this. chowder. Here we go. We're gonna... Oh, yeah. Look, you got the biggest wing there, and you just Whoa. bathe it. <laughs> you want a little wing with that ranch? Oh, Rich? oh, oh. Who are you judging? <laughs> yeah, I got a whole tub back here. It is holding on to that wing there. You see that? No yeah. drip. Like look at paint. that. It's like paint. It's that, like Sherwood Williams. That. That yeah. is, that's the way it's supposed to be. Good, better, bear. Yeah. I mean, no, you know. None of that drip. <laughs> there is no drip on that right there. I uh, want to thank the crew today, starting with Iowa Sam. Yes. yes. Who, by the way, is rail thin these days. No, I'm not. Oh, dude, you Still have lost weight. I, mean, I, mean, I have, but yeah, I got to be another 20 to you're go. Getting, I mean, you better better get some wings in you. Quick. I'm working on it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, the great Ralph Irvin, who treated us to so many things today, most especially that shirt he's wearing yeah. that, that I've seen treat. before, but you had not seen it. Real treat. Spicy. But I also treated him to the link <laughs> so he could get his own shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Very good. I Very honestly, good to see like, I really do. His fashion sense really aligns I, with mine. Mm-hmm. I was saying that Ralph uh, comes from the Republic of Ralph, like it's some kind of sovereign nation in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's the king of the Republic hey, of he Ralph. He does look like somebody who would own a random island. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. know, you just figure like, well, we're going where I always go. As to long my as there a golf course Republic on that Ralph. island, he's there. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, mm-hmm. the man that steers the ship is Ryan, our, our brilliant producer. Who Fearless leader. Cannot... Uh, overstate everything by the way i'm looking at you put down the wing that it's still clinging to oh, it dude yeah i mean that <laughs> you know yeah, no, yeah dude, I mean, that pass hang on it is absolutely clinging to that wing that that ranch that is amazing that is i'm very impressive i'm very impressed by that full coating yeah i mean not a single inch of of chicken <laughs> Without ranch. Dear God. By the way, what Good. flavors uh, are you enjoying over there? I see a, a variety for you. Um, the, Yeah, there's your traditional buffalo. Right. And then you have Nashville hot. Nashville hot. How hot? Is it hot, hot? Or it's, just... it's warm. Warm. Okay. <laughs> it'll, warm. it'll heat you up. Yeah, okay. And then you got a little mango habanero. Oh, my. How's that? Hot? A little jamming jalapeno. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, the sweet hot. hot yeah, yeah. Hot. Oh, man. Sweet we're hot. getting after it. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we have a game tonight. I don't know if you heard about this. By the way, the uh, Golden State Warriors trying to even up this series against the Boston Celtics. The Warriors are four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game to even up the series. If you were a betting man, which way would you lean on that four-and-a-half-point spread? Look, it, it feels like they have to win. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? The yeah. Warriors- You go back to Boston down 2-0, you're in now, trouble. we talked about this a little bit earlier. In each locker room, you know, there's no have-to-win-this-one conversation. you got to win them all. But from the outside, right, like when you really think about a series, if it's going to be the series that we think it will be, yeah, you know, Warriors in six, Celtics in seven, whatever you chose, like it, the Warriors got to get this win. So I think they will. And I also, frankly, I, I there's there's a part of me that feels like toward the end of that game, you had a lot of Warriors players really concerned about how this game was being officiated, distracting them, right? And I think two things are going to happen. One, the officiating maybe was slanted a little Celtics, okay. Uh, the road team got some calls and got some non-calls that benefited them. But two, 
I also think Steve Kerr is going to look at that film and he's going to talk to the guys about that. Like, you cannot let things like that take your head out of the game. You got to stay in the moment. You can't allow how a game's being officiated to affect your play. And I really think that the Golden State Warriors did, especially in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, and it reflected because, you know, you could call it luck, you, whatever. The the shots were falling for, for Boston and they absolutely weren't for the Warriors. Yeah, you know, I'm looking back here on the uh, Warriors' five straight trips to the NBA Finals between 2015 and 2019, and it, it really is remarkable when you think about, I mean, they've won three championships, but in all reality, they should have won five in a row. The 2016 NBA Finals, to me, is one of the greatest mysteries ever. They're playing the, They're coming out the 73-win season. Yes. And they had, remember, they had the great uh, matchup against OKC to get into the uh, That's correct. Finals. Yeah. They play the Cavaliers and blow the doors off the first two games. I just blow them out. Go back to Cleveland. Cleveland gets a big win yep. and then loses game four. All right. Series is over. You go back game five, Golden State. They wrap up the series, and Cleveland somehow wins that game. Then they go back to Cleveland. And they force a game seven. Wait, but wasn't this the, the series where Draymond got he got kicked out of a game? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, I mean, like it's not a mystery. I mean, to me, when you're missing the emotional heartbeat, but, but that was a game. I understand, but still, it's an important it's an important part of this story. It is, but you also had you, you still had a game seven at home. And you lost. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but, and 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 by the way, and but, again, but Le- this LeBron is I'm not going to I'm not I'm, yeah. I'm going to get back to this whole Steph Curry thing we talked about earlier. First of all, as far as I'm concerned, his legacy is written already. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, it, that's can, fair. it can enhance his, you know, obviously, but it's oh, his first ballot Hall of Famer, he's a legendary player, and a guy who really changed, the arguably game. one of the best offensive players we've ever seen. But is he better than? Ranch dressing. That's the question. <laughs> Is he better than that ranch dressing? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.